the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast. How you doing? My name is Nick DeGilio. Episode number 216 of the Nick D Podcast here at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the greatest podcast network on the planet. You should check out all the podcasts here at Radio Misfits. Uh, they vary in style and content. They're funny. They're entertaining. They're scary. They're dramatic. They're informative. They are fantastic. And I'm proud to have two podcasts on this network. This one, the Nick D Podcast and my podcast about Saturday Night Live, which drops every Wednesday. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast, which if you're an SNL fan, you need to subscribe to immediately. Love doing this podcast and uh, got, a, got a great episode lined up for you coming up. Uh, the return of Eric Childress and Steve Procopi. They took a couple of weeks off. They are my regular every other week uh, film critic buddies. I've been reviewing movies. Well, I've been reviewing movies professionally uh, as a film critic for over 37 years. And these guys have been reviewing with me way back in the days when I was on the car wash. WGN Radio, and they continue to join me to talk about all the new movies. Tons of movies come out every week, and we cover most of them. Also, Eric and Steve just got back from the Sundance Film Festival, which uh, celebrated its 40th anniversary. Yeah, good old Bobby Redford uh, started that whole thing uh, 40 years ago. And uh, Eric and Steve have been going for many, many years. Uh, Eric has been going for a long time. Uh, and they just got back from Sundance, so they're going to tell us about some of the best movies they saw there, maybe some of the worst. And then when we, the general public, not the privileged like those guys are, uh, will be able to see these movies in regular movie theaters. So a wrap-up of the good and the bad and the ugly and the best from the Sundance Film Festival. Plus, we got a couple of new movies to review as well, and we will do that with Eric and Steve, my regular film critic buddies, who you love and I love, and they join us every other week. And then the great Esmeralda Leon will join me. Esmeralda and I have been on a, uh, a tour of the snack world of Poland. Thanks to UniversalYums.com, Universal Yums, our great friend Deanna, who is a friend and a great listener and a subscriber, uh, got me and Esmeralda subscriptions, a monthly subscription to this thing called Universal Yums, where they send you a box full of snacks, savory, sweet, candies, chips, whatever they are from around the world, from a different part of the world. Every month you get a box. It includes a really cool, fun activities booklet, uh, a map, and it tells you all about the snacks that are from these different parts of the world. And we have been eating some snacks and telling all about the snacks to you uh, uh, from Poland. So we're going to continue to snack away from Poland, uh, thanks to Universal Yum's having a lot of fun and giving you some facts and some trivia that you never knew about snacks in Poland and stuff. we got some good stuff we're going to taste today. And then, uh, you know, the last uh, episode we talked about uh, celebrities that everybody loves. We'll wrap that up, and then we're going to jump into celebrities that everybody hates. So that's what's coming up on the show, a wrap-up of Sundance, reviews of new movies with Eric and Steve. And Esmeralda and I will snack our way through Poland and talk about celebrities that everybody loves and celebrities that everybody hates. 
And it'll all be done in fun, entertaining fashion, which you love and you know you do. That's why you subscribe. That's why you listen. And that's why you should share this knowledge. Make everybody listen. Make everybody subscribe. Rate and review us on every platform. And check out all of the other really cool podcasts at Radio Misfits. And check out our 24-hour live streaming service. It's like radio, only cooler. It's free. And it's 24-7, radiomisfits.live, which broadcasts all the great episodes of this uh, of this network, of the podcasts, and great music from unsigned bands. There is a great podcast on this network called Unheard Music, which you should check out. And if you're in a band that's not signed and you want your music to be played here on this streaming service and here at Radio Misfits and be a part of that podcast, send your stuff to Radio Misfits, man. Just contact everybody at Radio Misfits. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, and so you can be a part of uh, the Unheard Music. You can hear my podcast, this one, every day at 3 p.m. Central, and my SNL podcast every day at 9 a.m. Central as part of the 24-hour free streaming service at radiomisfits.live. Lots of people listen to this stuff, and lots of people listen to this podcast in particular. That's why you should advertise with this podcast, the Nick D Podcast, and be a sponsor. It'll do good for you. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Drop a line, say, hey. I want to advertise, and I want to sponsor on the Nick T Podcast. It'll do good for you. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. You can also be a part of the podcast just on a regular basis. If you've got, a, con- if you've got a, a comment or a contribution or a suggestion or anything or a question for any of our regular guests, things that you want to say, whatever, man. 24-7, you can leave a voicemail anytime you want, and I want you to do that. We want you to do that. We encourage you to do that. So leave those voicemails anytime you want at 773-417-6948. You can also drop us an email anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs is my man. He does all the music and the themes and the weirdness and the sounds. Ed Silla does everything else. Radio Misfits rules. So be a part of the show. Have some fun. Uh-oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Yeah, Carrie Russell joins us on uh, every episode. She lives Hi, on my I'm back Carrie porch. Russell, I don't know if you know that. I either. love Nick's show. That's right. So leave us a voicemail, 773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, hang out with us. Have some good times. We'll talk to Esmeralda later. And then after I tell you that you need to be congratulated, Eric and Steve are going to join us to talk about movies and Sundance Film Festival and a lot more. So congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jagoff. That theme means it's time to talk about movies, and uh, we do this every other week with my uh, film critic buddies from the Chicago Film Critic Association, uh, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi. Uh, we review movies every couple of weeks, and uh, this time of year is always interesting because, like the, f- the you know the film festival circuit starts, and uh, it's awards season, and we've got all the awards and the Golden Globies and all that other shit, and then the nominations for the Oscars come out, and then of course there's all kinds of there's always some sort of bitching and moaning about the Academy Awards this year. It's because of the Barbie <laughs> snubs, uh, and I don't. And they were snubs. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Um, 
And, uh, you know, like last year, I was all thrilled because Andrea Riceboro got nominated. And it was and then there was controversy about that, that it was fixed and all this other shit. So you can't have (laughs) any kind of Oscar nomination conversation without them being someone moaning and groaning about it. But anyway, we've done all that and uh, we'll continue to do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> until the Academy Awards are handed out in March, when most of them will go to fucking Oppenheimer, so it doesn't even matter <laughs> at this point. So, uh, but uh, film festivals have uh, begun, and uh, one of them is the Sundance Film Festival. And uh, Eric and Steve went uh, to that festival. Before we jump into that, we've got a couple of new movies to review as well. Let's say hello to these guys. It's Eric Childress. Hi, Eric. Hello. And Steve Procopi. Hello, Steve. Hello there. All right. Steve, it's Eric, why don't you start? Tell everybody where they can read your stuff and see your stuff and hear your stuff and all the other movie coverage that you do. Yes. Uh, well, I have a couple of podcasts. The Movie Madness podcast. It's available at the Now Play Network uh, and Apple Podcast. And we do uh, movie reviews every week. Steve uh, is a regular guest on that, as well as Peter Subzinski. We talk about new Blu-rays every week. Keep everyone up to date on the physical media realm. Uh, and then The Friendship Dilemma, the other podcast that I co-host with Morgan Geyer, where we talk about how male and female friendships are portrayed in the movies. Uh, and then you can also read my box office column uh, every week at Rotten Tomatoes. And I have a piece going up, I believe this sometime this week, about uh, 15 documentaries that premiered at Sundance this year and talk a little bit about those. So oh, cool. more Sundance talk. All right. All right. There's where you can uh, read and hear Eric's stuff. Steve, tell everybody where they can see your stuff as well. Yeah, uh, you can read my reviews and interviews at thirdcoastreview.com. Uh, as Eric said, we do the Movie Madness podcast uh, every week, or in, in this this week, twice a week. Uh, and then uh, I'm also the PR manager at the Music Box Theater, where I spend an inordinate amount of time every every week. That's so That's right. Uh, real quick news about the... About what's happening in the music box. Always great stuff happening in the music box. Um, there are a couple of uh, uh, really cool festivals that are coming up, and uh, and mm-hmm. like there's there's one. That, can we talk about the composer that you guys are doing yet? Is that? I mean, I technically no. Okay, but, well, we uh, won't then. If, but I, if I said that the guy had, I'll say he's Italian and has over four hundred scores to his credit. I'll leave okay. it at that. And I, I, <laughs> okay, and then what you guys are doing? You our guys are going to be showing a bunch of movies uh featuring scores by this person and uh they are every conceivable genre every (laughs) conceivable genre and that's going to be a great uh, one and you guys are doing a 3d thing as well because the new vim vendors movie opens today uh the 3d film um um about kiefer um about um anselm uh, kiefer uh, and mm-hmm. it's in 3D with new sort of a new new technology and a whole new system that you guys brought in and installed um, permanently at the music yeah. box so that you That's can show great. you can show 3D movies. Uh, and the vendors yeah. movie is terrific, by the way. It's really yeah. terrific, and the use of 3D is really beautiful. And um, and it's just a it's a it's a really wonderful and, and quirky quirky <laughs> film about a great artist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. really, really terrific stuff. But anyway, it, g- give a little more detail about the 3D stuff that's going to be happening at the back or at, at the, the factory. I mean, in at it, the factory. It, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, at the music box. Yes. Well, cause his, 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 uh, his studio space is a giant factory or was yeah. a giant factory, which is why I still can't get over the size of that. It's like hundreds of acres of crazy. Anyway. Crazy. Yeah. So anyway, the, yeah. So it, after, so Anselm's only playing for a, a week. Um, and then we're bringing in Vim Vender's other film, uh, Perfect Days, after that, which just which got is an also nomination. Good. Which is also yeah. good. <laughs> Terrific movie. Yeah, my God. Very completely different, but yeah. yes, beautiful yeah. movie. Um, yeah. Oscar nominated, like I said. And then um, 
and then in April we are we are gonna we're committed to a full-fledged 3D film festival. We haven't announced the titles yet, but I think we've nailed them down. And we actually just yesterday, uh, as of this recording, moved the dates of that a week forward. So we're we're gonna actually have it a little early. Like I think it's gonna be the first full week of of April. Awesome. Um, and yeah, it's good. Again, every conceivable uh era of of 3d from like the early black and white stuff uh to that weird period in the 80s and then some more modern stuff but and, and also like things that are well but I, as i said as i've said a few times now in my introduction to various films over the last few weeks the only film all of us agreed on instantly immediately that we had to play was jackass 3d so of course, of course. um so yeah, so that's that is playing. That's definitely in there. Um, I, I I didn't ask you this, and I'm gonna, I, I didn't ask you this. Are you guys showing any yeah. of the Three Stooges shorts? Of the Shem Three Stooges uh, shorts? Okay, so let me. I I believe so. Okay, um, All right. because okay. there is a. I did suggest. I actually sort of at the last minute suggested we do a shorts, a yeah, three D shorts program. Yeah, yeah. And that was that. So that okay. So that was in there. Now that we've moved the dates, I just haven't seen how it's okay. been reshuffled. So I okay. gotta just—I haven't seen the new schedule yet. I'm not okay. even sure the schedule's well, done. Well, they did the, but, the Stooges. Yeah. The Stooges did two. They did two 3D shorts with Shemp, and uh, right, and they're both fucking great. <laughs> and I, no, I specifically, <laughs> yeah. I specifically remember it seeing 3D short or 3D Stooges short awesome. on the yeah. list. So awesome, awesome. Yeah. So I saw them as there. The, I, I saw them many, many, many years ago. Uh, I got to see them in 3D. Actually, I mean, I've seen them on television a million times, but I, I saw them in 3D actually mm-hmm. at the Davis many years ago, like in the 70s, when yeah. they did uh, a revival of that and the Mad Magician, uh, the mm-hmm. uh, the Vincent Price, um, and um, and obviously in House of Wax and uh, and Dial M for Murder, which I'm sure these are titles that you've been throwing around for the past. Dial years. M is definitely in there. Yeah, yeah, of course, sure. it is. of course it is. All right, so that's going to be fun. And by the way, uh, having yeah. seen uh, the Vendors movie with that new with the new glasses and the new technology, it's pretty great. And um, yeah, and just be really when you go, be really careful <laughs> with the glasses and make sure that you return them to the theater and to the people in the lobby as soon as you're done with them. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Just, they're just, expensive. Just, they're, they expensive. Are expensive. <laughs> they're very expensive. And you guys are yeah. trusting like audiences who go see Jackass 3D to be kind to those yeah. glasses. And I, We're I not worried say, about the Anselm. We're not worried about <laughs> no, the Anselm crowd no, no. walking away with the, the glasses. No, no the, Vim <laughs> Vendor, the, Vim Vendor, the, Vim, the Vim Vendors crowd will be fine. They'll bring it back. But when you got a crowd at yeah. midnight seeing Jackass 3D, it might be a little difficult to get the glasses back. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And these are very expensive, technologically uh, you know, advanced 3D glasses. And when I yeah. heard the speech uh, before the movie, mm-hmm. uh, uh, because there was a speech that was given before the movie from your tech director, mm-hmm. um, uh, talking about it, and, and and when I heard all the details, I was like, Jesus Christ, man! Uh, I was like, I am going to handle these glasses with kid gloves and bring them directly back to somebody who's working at the music box. So, uh, yeah, but actually, it's going to be great. Wanna, there's a great uh, Michael Phillips just posted his review, which also includes. At the at the bottom half of the review includes a very nice discussion and an interview with the Julian, our technical director, about oh, Julian, just yeah. the technology. So, yeah. so yeah, it's a there's some and it also if you want to know how much it costs, it's in there. Too, it's in there yeah. too. So, yeah. Um, but yes, this it's is, this the, is, it's, this it's actually is, spelled out very nicely in that. It's article. a significant and Julian did a great job explaining. Julian's a cool, is yeah. a very cool dude. Dude, he's yeah. a great dude, great projectionist, great uh, tech guy. Uh, really cool dude. But yeah, there's, there's, this is a this is a big investment on the part of the music box. So when you go, guys, 
be nice and bring your 3D yeah. glasses back <laughs> because you don't want to ruin it for everybody because it's a beautiful system and there's going to be some wonderful stuff. And if you get a chance to see the Vendors movie, that's great. If not, in April, you can take advantage of this wonderful system. But be nice with the glasses. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Be and nice. We'll, and, we'll, and we're, we're going to do like one-off 3D things throughout the year too. So it's yeah. not we're not just saving it for special occasions. We're going to like yeah. make this a regular part hey, of the rotation. So you paid for yeah. it. Use it, man. Right. Shit. Yeah. yeah. It, it literally, <laughs> it's not like it's not like 70 where you have to switch out lenses and yeah. take like half right. a day. It's it literally right. is a flip of a switch yeah. to turn it on. So yeah. Um, yeah. You just have to get the glasses. It's going to be fun. And, so. Yeah. And, and, and check out music, musictheater.com for all the information and, uh, and uh, check out the Vendors movie in 3D, which is terrific. And, and then when they have the 3D mm-hmm. festival, uh, keep an eye out for that. So fun stuff. Okay. You guys went to Sundance. Uh, Steve, this is your first time going back in a while, right? It's been a while for you? It's both of both of our first both times since 2020. For 2020. Oh, right. I yeah. forgot, I forgot yeah. about that. I forgot that there was that little thing where everybody sneezed. Uh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> um so but you guys were at sundance this year 40th anniversary there were all kinds of celebrations and parties it was a big deal Mm -hmm. um and um you know this is this this is the the one of the festivals where everybody goes and uh, uh, they debut big movies and small movies and big deals are made with studios and smaller studios and distributors and blah 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 and movie you know and movie stars show up and all that cool stuff so essentially, I don't know, Eric, let's start with you. Well, let's talk a little yeah. bit about Sundance. Um, mm-hmm. Eric, first, your thoughts in general on uh, the festival and, uh, and the movies that you saw. Well, there was a lot of good, and in some cases, really good uh, movies. I think there there's some people, uh, you know, you have a good year like last year or something like that, where you have a movie like Past Lives that everyone is just kind of all, you know, up, up, up over and everything. And so when there's not like a film of that level of quality this year people start to go like eh, it's kind of just okay and I, I don't really care for that attitude so much because there's a lot of really good both features and documentaries that we saw uh maybe not anything that might ultimately make my top 10 list maybe but uh, a lot of really good stuff and we're going to talk about some of those right now yeah and steve what about you overall what were, what were your thoughts on the fest i think this is the most we were talking about this yesterday when Eric and I were recording on his show about about this festival. This is the like I saw more films this year that almost made me cry. Now, I don't I don't tend to cry in movies. So but I, I get this weird tickle in my throat. that's like, oh, if I was human, I'd be crying right now. So <laughs> and, and I got that feeling more this year than I can remember any other year in Sundance. So they went they went like hard for the heartstrings this year and not really? not in like a not in like an overly sentimental way but like in a really and a, a lot of them were in documentaries so yeah um yeah so uh which i'm sure we'll talk about a couple of them but yeah, yeah. this one like really got me in the in the, in the gut this year like it wow. it really i mean i i was surprised so yeah eric's right there weren't there were, for me there were a couple standouts but but in terms of like things that have potential for like mass appeal or Oscar consideration, maybe not so much. Although I, I would say in the documentary c- category, there's quite a few contenders there. So, okay. yeah, this was a, this was a, a pretty good year for me. Cool. Okay, cool. All right. Well, it's weird because I mean, you you uh, I cry at the fucking drop of a hat. I cry at movies all the time. <laughs> oh, so then, I'll probably... yeah, you'd, you'll be done with some of these. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Yeah. I've, I've, I've read a little bit about them. All right. Well, let's uh, mm-hmm. let's start. Uh, Eric, why don't you give us a title and you guys can chat about it if you both saw it. Um, um, these are all movies that you saw at the Sundance Festival. And then um, when you guys are talking about them, hello, answer that. Yeah. Well, yeah. when you guys are talking about them, 
um, uh, let us know if there was a distribution deal or a studio bought them mm-hmm. or when we, the general lowly public, will be able to see these movies. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. jump into that as well when you tell us about it. Eric, give us, our, give us the first movie you want to talk about from Sundance this year. Oh, well, the first movie, I mean, A24 actually came into the festival with a lot of films bought already, uh, so they displayed a lot of their new works, and one of them is going to be coming out very soon that I know you are very interested in hearing about, and that's Love Lies Bleeding. Please. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, I mean, this one might make you cry just how much you might like it, yeah. uh, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely not a tearjerker by any stretch of the imagination, and this is the one with Kristen Stewart. Uh, she plays a woman, I forget, I forget where she exactly works. Steve, remember where she works at Love Lies Bleeding? Is that, oh, it's a, work, it's a, a, uh, yeah, she it's works a at a gym. It's a gym, yeah, yeah, right. It's a gym. Uh, she, she works at a gym, uh, and the, this uh, outsider from out of, uh, out of town comes, named, uh, played by Katie O'Brien, uh, who is looking to travel to Vegas to be a part of a uh, female uh, bodybuilding uh, competition. And they strike up a very quick, very passionate uh, relationship. Uh, but there are complications in town. There's Kristen <laughs> uh, uh, Stewart's sister is married to a real scumbag played by Dave Franco, who happens to work for <laughs> an even bigger scumbag played by Ed Harris with the craziest hair you're going to see on Ed Harris ever. Um, and uh, it just say that you know, complications ensue and there's murder and betrayals and all kinds of film noirish stuff that happens through it. And there's a lot of really wacky jumps that uh, the director rose glass takes in this movie that's gonna really alienate a lot of people in the audience won't alienate you nick you're gonna be all in i think on this movie especially that the some wacky stuff that happens towards the end of this movie Mm -hmm. uh but i i enjoyed it i i thought that uh, it worked. It, I mean, the violence when it comes is, is fast and heavy and bloody. Uh, and uh, I think Katie O'Brien is a real fine. Um, I, I think she's on one of the Star Wars shows, I think, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, she's full out in this movie. Uh, and I think she's really interesting. Kristen Stewart is having fun. Everyone is. Well, ha- you know, is, they, one, they understood the assignment. One of my go- one of my go to's and I have a tendency to love. Uh, most of the stuff that she's in and love her in it. Uh, I love Jenna Malone. She's one of my favorites <laughs> ever. And, uh, yeah. and whenever she plays I see a sister, whenever I see her in a movie, I'm like, oh, that'll be weird and awesome. I mean, you know, like stuff like Neon Demon and all the other great stuff that she's in. I mean, you know, I just I think she's weird and awesome. Uh, so okay. I'm glad she's in it. Um, all right. So. All right. So you liked it then? I did. Yes. OK, Steve, what did you think? Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. It's it's just it's so visually a step up even from what the director did with uh, St. Maud a few years ago, which, which I loved, I mean, which I love. Yeah. St. Maud got such a shaft when it came to its release because uh, it was one of the first films to get pulled because of the pandemic. And yeah. then it, the way it was put out, it was like nobody saw it. And so but what that movie did for like religious fervor, this movie does for like body obsessive fervor and and like the kind that goes into like you know that pumping iron mentality and that's what katie o'brien is it's weird to see her so completely jacked like she is in this movie and 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 to see and and so there is a horror element to this but this is also like a crime thriller i mean it, it goes from love story to crime thriller to like something else that i don't even know how to explain but i think it's gonna leave people like a little excited uh a little like uneasy for sure. Um, I don't, I think people just don't quite, most people are not going to be, are going to get caught like out, like just unsuspecting viewers are going to go 
crazy what? and that might lead, <laughs> it, it might it might lead to them like uh rejecting the film but i i not every some people are gonna fully embrace this thing so okay. all right love yeah. life's bleeding and that will be released soon uh, yeah, in March. In March. Okay, great. We can look forward to that. All right, Steve, uh, what do you what do you got next here for Sundance? Yeah, I think I am going to talk about another film I think, Nick, you're going to be very interested in. Wait, I'm just trying to find my notes on it here. I've lost it. Is a, is a film that you liked uh, the original or the, the director's first film or last film, uh, which was called uh, "We're All Going to the World's Fair." Love and this one is, that movie and can't wait yeah. to see the, the glow of the TV. I can't wait to see this. Yeah. Yes, uh, I saw the TV glow. That's the yeah. name of the movie. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of under uh, under its supercharged surface. It's a story of a, an obsessed young fan of a TV show. Um, it has a, a lot going on. It includes a story of identity transformation that some might mistake for mental illness to the amusing idea that shows we love as kids are actually terrible and cheaply made and brain dead nonsense. But the, the, the latest from uh, writer director uh, Jane Schoenbrum um, tells the story of a teenager named Owen played by justice Smith, who grows up in a household with an abusive father and a dying mother. Who's played by Danielle Deadweiler, who I love in this movie. Um, uh, he's just trying to survive when he meets an older classmate played by uh, Bridget Lundy Payne, who uh, introduces him to a late night show called Pink Opaque, uh, which airs on a kid's channel, but is clearly made for more like sophisticated sci-fi fantasy horror fans, uh, adult fans. Um, and Owen's new friend is not only convinced the show is the greatest one ever produced, but she thinks that the storyline is revealing the presence of a supernatural world just below the surface of our own. And before too long, uh, Owen believes the same thing. Um, I think just uh, that Smith does a remarkable job showing us Owen's vulnerability, uh, especially when he gets older as an adult, he begins to doubt his own memories and not just of the series, but also of what out there is trying to hurt or kill him or his friend. Um, who vanishes from town just weeks before the series is canceled. And, and he wonders if there's some connection there. Um, so naturally, the only way to stop whatever's about to happen to humanity is to make new episodes of the show. Uh, and so that's the that's sort of the goal here for him. Um, I saw the TV glow goes beyond just being trippy and actually uh, transforms its characters into these paranoid, possibly dangerous soldiers in the fight. Uh, to stop some of the takeover of the planet and their bodies and whatever exactly is happening. Uh, the director's visual artistry, you'll recognize it. Uh, it's, it's on full display. Uh, I think they take it to like a new level here, um, uh, even beyond what they did with World's Fair, uh, complete with like neon-soaked lighting scenarios and, and the like, um, paired with a really impressive sound design. The film uh, takes a a fanatical but still very grounded in reality look at, at fluid teenage brains and uh and there's sometimes where it's just actually terrifying so and this also i didn't mean to do this but this is also an a24 release but i don't think they have a release date i think they're sort of aiming for the spring but i, I don't know if that's where it's actually gonna land okay yeah all right eric did you see it yeah, I did, and I liked it too. Um, okay. And you know, I was not a, as big a fan as World's Fair as you and a lot of people were. Yeah. But uh, this one, the, the, I mean, the visual confidence is there, and I mean, yeah, I mean, the whole movie is obviously very metaphorical. 
Uh, but I, I, I appreciate it so much more about this one uh, than the other one. I think this is a real step up uh, for Sean wow. Brun. Wow, that's great because uh, for me, oh, <laughs> Jesus, uh, excuse well, me. Bless you. Ah, holy crap. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I loved um, We're All Going to the World's Fair. I yeah. love that movie. And, uh, and if this is a step up, I can't wait to see it. Um, so I'm very excited about that. That's, so those are two that I'm really, really excited about. And, of course, mm-hmm. they're A20, and of course, they're A24, aren't they? All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Eric, what's next? Uh, well, this is one of the, the big deals at the, the, the festival this year. It was picked up by $10 million for uh, by uh, Searchlight Pictures, and it's the second feature, uh, directorial feature by Jesse Eisenberg called A Real Pain. All right. Uh, and this one, uh, which he wrote and directed and co-stars in, uh, him and Kieran Culkin play Cousins, uh, who are going off on a trip to Poland to visit their grandmother's birthplace, uh, who is, I guess, not, not too recently passed away, uh, and also take a, a tour of sort of the horrors of Poland, uh, dealing with the, the Holocaust and whatnot. So there's a whole group uh, dynamic to that as well. Uh, Eisenberg is a, uh, like a family man. He's got a wife and kids. He's a bit more reserved. Culkin is a loner. He's more outgoing. He doesn't really have a, a lot of direction in life uh, and can be frequently off-putting. Uh, charming, but off-putting. Uh, and the way the, the whole movie is about the way that all of these characters have to are finding a way to not just find a way to process their own grief, but how they manage to process the grief of others and how, you know, if your generation's removed from something like the Holocaust, how can you truly appreciate what people of that era had to go through and how do you manifest that and how do you deal with others uh, who might not be on the same wavelength as you? Uh, this, I mean, speaking of step up, uh, I was not yeah. a fan of Eisenberg's first movie. Um, what, what was that called? We were trying to save the world. When you finish saving the world. When you finish saving the world. I was not. I was not a fan of that. No. I was not a fan of that one. This one is an absolute step up. Uh, you're talking about the confidence in the writing. Uh, is, is there the the the, the, the directorial flourishes are there? Eisenberg, I think, gives a really strong performance, uh, and Culkin, who is you know just coming off the succession, uh, gave one of the standout performances at Sundance this year. Uh, everyone was talking about that performance. Uh, it's a it's a really strong movie. It's a very funny movie too. I mean, it's not just you know steeped in a, a lot of Holocaust talk, although that yeah. clearly permeates. But it's a very funny movie, uh, but also ultimately a very moving one that just it, it ends with not having all the sort of the answers for what these characters are going to do next. And I really appreciated that as well. Cool. Steve, did you see a real pain? Yeah, I did. It's a, uh, it's great. And, uh, and Culkin is a real standout here. Um, and, and I know that right after he was winning all these awards for succession in the last few weeks, uh, when we got to Sundance, like one of the first things I heard was, well, he's, he might win an Oscar for this thing too. So, um, but the character, the characters really, I mean, you're going to spend a, a lot of the, movie probably being really put off by him but you're going to slowly kind of come over to his side as you learn a little bit about the things inside like what's actually going on in his life and his head yeah um and yeah it's a it's a and, and this and this whole idea of going through poland um is, is i think I, I can't imagine this isn't based in some sort of reality for eisenberg who also wrote the film um but it's a it's it's beautiful, and there's this Chopin music playing throughout the thing. That was a great choice for this for this material um, that really kind of elevates it. Um, 
So yeah, I, I really, and there's, a, we should also mention there, there's a, they're on a tour. They're in like a tour group and some of the, uh, most of the other actors playing members of the tour group, as well as the Will Sharp, who plays the tour guide are fantastic. And that includes Jennifer Grey. She's actually in this, although I didn't recognize her initially, but uh, I finally realized who it was at a certain point. But yeah, they're, they're all fantastic in their own way. And they're, they're not just like background characters they're all very much part of this story so okay. yeah it's right. a, a real pain terrific a real film. pain cool. all right cool all right uh steve what is uh, what are you what are you choosing next here? so this is one when I, that i saw when i saw it i said i nick is gonna i think he's gonna flip for this one it's called the outrun um flip for a, a couple different reasons both the subject matter and the star of the film um this is one of the more like soul-shaking works i saw at this year's festival uh, it's from a uh, director named Nora uh, Fengscheidt, and it's adapted from a memoir uh, by a, a woman named Amy Liptrot, who also co-wrote the screenplay with the director and went through what this character goes to, which is a long, painful struggle with drugs and alcohol, um, set mostly on the author's homeland of Scotland's Orkney Island, uh, which somehow manages to be both majestic and very grim at the same time. I think what separates this addiction story from others is the way that the main character, Rona, played by Saoirse Ronan, uh, uses nature as a means of healing herself and getting involved with environmental causes, but also sort of embracing the violent seas and jutting cliffs and uh, abundant wildlife to kind of supplement her recovery. Uh, the film bounces around in time, a bit and, and more likely probably mimicking her sort of fractured state of mind uh, with memories of childhood and, and observing her with her religious mother and bipolar father. Um, and she kind of just, and then also we get a little bit of her time living in London where she learned to party and bar brawl with the best of them. Um, there's also a past relationship uh, with, with a guy named uh, Danan who, who gets very frustrated with her and trying to understand why she needs to get loaded all the time. Her her road through a very strict re rehab program is not an easy one either, but all roads seem to kind of come back to her communing with nature, and that's sort of where the film finds its strength. There's I, Eric and I were talking about this yesterday. There's a sequence where Rona is standing at the edge of a like a cliff, and she's almost like conducting the waves, and it's really beautiful. They're kind of splashing around her, and it reminded me of the best scene in Maestro, but this is like way better. It has way more, more emotional heft. Um, and in the hands of the cinematographer in particular, it's really beautiful. Um, and I think this is one of Saoirse Ronan's best performances. I think she's called up to express a lot of psychological pain opposite no one. Like there's no one for her to bounce off of, but she still has to convey all this emotion and all this uh, struggle. And, um, and yeah, this... You know, and she's basically alone for big chunks of this movie. Um, yeah, this is this is a, a beautiful film. It's a very hard film. I don't think anyone has picked it up yet, so I don't know when we'll be able to see it. Uh, right, Eric? No one, no one bought this yet. Right? No one, ha no one has this yet. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So, but keep an eye for it. it's called the Outrun. Uh, m well, maybe you guys can do something about it and show it in May. Um, 
at the Chicago uh, Critics. I would very much like to. That's possible. Try try that out. Why don't you, uh, Eric? You saw it. I assume you saw the outrun. Yeah, I did see the outrun. I yeah. was not as high on it as Steve was. Uh, okay. I think the, the the kind of the fractured. Uh, I, I got what she was trying to do with the fracture thing. Like Steve said, it's kind of like I mean I think there's like the blur between sober and uh, intoxicated can can be a thing. Uh, but I don't think that. It, 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 I think it stunts the sort of the emotional journey that we're supposed to be taking with this character because it, I mean, it, it shifts around a lot uh, okay. and sometimes goes back and forth and whatnot. And it just, it didn't work for me. Okay. Uh, well, that's the outrun and it's the great uh, Saoirse Ronan, who, as far as I'm concerned, is incapable of, uh, of being <laughs> anything but great. So I love <laughs> can't wait to see it. Hope it gets, uh, it gets yeah. uh, a, a distributor soon. Okay. All right, Eric, uh, what do you got next? Uh, one of the movies that's going to make you cry, and it is yeah. one of the documentaries, and it is su- Superman, the Christopher Reeve story. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I know, right? I mean, I, do I really even need to describe what this movie is? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, it is a story about his career and being Superman, but I would say about a good 70% of this documentary uh, takes place during the time and the aftermath of his horse riding accident which was near fatal uh it left him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life uh but then more or less inspired not didn't inspire him it just it he became superman to so many people uh yeah. i mean yes the uh, the irony of that happening to this iconic guy who for, as far as i'm concerned will be the only superman that has ever existed as far as yeah. I'm concerned. yeah sorry yeah, yeah. sorry cabalites yeah. but that, that's just the way it is and to see, you know, the, the the strength and the courage that he had to not only continue working. I mean, he start, you know, continued acting. He directed some movies, uh, but also, you know, it was the first time I think a lot of people, including myself, heard the term stem cell research. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the the advancements of that have done a lot of good uh, in this country. And yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a good showbiz doc, but it's a really good family documentary as well uh, as we meet uh you know his children from t- uh, two separate marriages we meet uh you know we, we have time with both of his wives uh and it's also kind of a side you know there's a bit of a side documentary in the middle of this about his friendship with robin williams yeah i, was, I figured they, they had very... to, they had to, they had to touch on that for me I mean, yeah i'm sure, I'm sure just... that adds, i'm sure that adds to the upbeat quality of the film oh it well. does <laughs> and i was yeah. telling steve yeah. yesterday just there are a lot of people you're watching this thing it's like oh my god that person's gone oh my yeah. god that person's gone <laughs> it's, it's one of those those, I mean, he's like, there goes Richard Donner, and there's Robin Williams, and it's just like, oh my God, William yeah. Hurt gets mentioned in the in the oh, documentary. Uh, th- yeah, there's great. Uh, I mean, like Glenn Close is in it, Jeff Daniels, you know, friends of uh, Reeves over the years, and yeah, it's just it's impossible, you know, that tickle that Steve has in his throat. That's basically <laughs> in your whole body for yeah. two hours watching yeah. this thing, and then by the end, you're just like, um, yes, and it's it really is a wonderful doc, and I put it right in the sort of the same league as the Michael J. Fox documentary mm. that came out last year so yeah. that, that that would make a fantastic double feature actually and is it, it did it does this have a distributor is it it's i don't think no if the deal has been 100 percent finalized but apparently warner brothers discovery is uh yeah. trying to pick it up for like well it would, it would make sense it would make sense for warner brothers to do right it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> exactly <Jesus> Christ. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I just hope that they don't sit on it for too long and just like let's wait till the next Superman movie comes oh, out. Oh God, no! Because don't do that. I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> let's let's let people know that Christopher Reeve is the one and only Superman. Got it. All right, yeah. uh, Steve, you saw it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think most of the ones we're talking about, Eric and I were sitting next to each other. Oh, okay. <laughs> for, for <both laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was it was. Uh, 
Yeah, it, I, what I really liked about it is that the him Reeve dying is not the end of the movie because it the the tragedy continued not long after his wife died, like yeah. Uh, yeah. like a year and a half later, and so the film transitions into a film about these three kids and uh, between these two two relationships and. They, you know, they're young and left alone and, and it was, you know, left parentless. And that, you know, that just brings the tears on more. So, yeah, it it's it's pretty hard hitting. Um, but I also I just like the way, it, you know, it acknowledges that Superman was a blessing and a curse because he never had another mm -hmm. movie that made any money, like except for outside of the Superman and even the Superman movies turned on him. Halfway do, they through do, them, do, so. do they mention Street Smart at all in the movie? I he gets get some clips. Okay. They're, they're, right. They don't really go too much into this. I mean, they, they basically do kind of like a montage package. The I only gotcha. movie I All think right. that didn't get mentioned was Noises Off. Okay. I think is the only no one that didn't get a off. clip. I mean, sure, Death Trap yeah. got mentioned, obviously. But Death yeah. Trap gets but mentioned. Sure. But, yeah. the, but yeah. the movie that the movie that needs more, that people need to see more of is fucking Street Smart, man. I mean, yeah. that... It's a great film, mm -hmm. and that's that's the movie where everybody's like, "Who the fuck is this guy from Electric Company?" When Morgan Freeman, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, holy shit! Uh, but that's a, that's one of those movies that I think more people should see is Street Smart yeah. with uh, with Kathy and, Baker. And the film, great yeah, yeah. Film. The film, the film doesn't. The, the documentary doesn't say that he didn't make any other good films. They just said he didn't yeah. make any other hits. Money, like yeah, 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 yeah. It didn't. So like that was, I think, a source of frustration for him, but. And it's sort of one of the reasons he kept going back to the Superman well. But like, yeah, it's a uh, it's 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 a thorough look and it's not you know, it's not all glossy. And it's it, it, it admits that he had a few flaws, especially when it came to uh, maybe parenting and yeah. uh, and relationships. And uh, yeah, so it, it's uh, it's very honest. And like his his kids were there in the audience when we were watching it. So um I'm like, oh my god, what do they like? What do they think yeah. of this? But I guess they're okay with it because they clearly signed off on it. But uh, right. no, it's it's just a terrific film for sure. All right, that, and by the way, it's Super Slash Man, the Christopher Reeve right. story. Super right. Slash Man, uh, separating the two. Uh, I want to make sure that that was that was in there. So mm -hmm. hopefully, we'll get a chance to see that one as well. All right, um, uh, really, really quickly, uh, 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 Eric, give me a couple of just a couple of titles, uh, 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 and then uh, Steve, a couple of titles, couple yeah. separate titles. So uh, uh, a couple uh, titles. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Um, there was a really good film. Uh, Andre Holland, who was in Moonlight and High Flying Bird, the Steven Soderbergh film, is in a movie called Exhibiting Forgiveness. Uh, okay. That's a, a father son story. That's that's really terrific. Okay. Um, there's a, a really great documentary that I saw called Daughters that Netflix okay. apparently is eyeing. That's all about this prison program that creates a daddy daughter dance for incarcerated fathers and oh, their young gosh. children. Oh yeah, Nick. <laughs> Good, good, say goodbye to all Jesus your tears Christ. watching this. It's an amazing, <laughs> amazing film. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so that one's pretty great. Uh, yeah, and uh, and the local film called Ghost Light uh, that was uh, mm. directed uh, by Alex Thompson and Kelly O'Sullivan, who did the movie Saint Francis that opened our mm. festival mm -hmm. a few years ago. Uh, this and it's a great film about theater, about small, really like small uh, theater, and it's about a theater troupe and. Uh, again, processing grief in a family story, and it, that's a really wonderful film as well. Okay. All right, a few more titles. Steve, what do you got? Yeah, um, the, the another one that I immediately thought of you is uh, Will and Harper. It's a documentary oh, yeah. uh, about Will Ferrell's 30-year <laughs> yeah. uh, friendship uh, with a, a former writer on SNL, 
um, who is, came out as a trans woman recently named Harper Steele, and they take a road trip uh, across America, and there are lots of SNL, familiar SNL faces that we meet along the way, and uh, it's funny, it's very moving, it's a, even a little tense sometimes. Uh, this is by Josh, uh, the director Josh Greenbaum, who did uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, yeah. um, and a bunch of really great documentaries, including one called The Coming Bond about George Lazenby. So uh, this this guy's a, a terrific director in this movie. Again, lots of tears at the end, so yeah. get ready for that. Okay. Um, I, was a, I was a big fan of um, the new Steven Soderbergh film, Presence, which is kind of a, a different take on the ghost story idea in that the film is told from the perspective of the ghost. So I'm assuming that's Soderbergh behind the camera, but... Um, and the ghost kind of floating through this house where this family is living and uh, and exactly who this ghost is and what this ghost purpose is, is kind of the big mystery of the of the film. And I, I just thought the performances were great. I love the visual look of the film. Um, and so, yeah, that's another good one. Speaking of alternative takes on horror movies, there's a, a Norwegian film called Handling the Undead, uh, which is based on a book written by the same person that wrote "Let the Right One In," yeah. and it uh, and it reunites uh, Renata Rensvi and Anders uh, Danielson Lee from the oh. worst person in the world. Oh yeah, they're both in it. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's a it's sort of a zombie movie, except that the zombies aren't trying to eat you most of the time. So they're just just imagine like a, your dead relative or dead loved one waking up dead and functional to a certain degree, but with basically no soul in them. And they're just like kind of living in the same space. And it's, it's a very serious take and eventually more familiar zombie elements come into it. But man, this is a, this is comes across like a hardcore drama. Um, Yeah. And I, although this wasn't a day, the last thing I'm going to mention is this isn't a debut for Sundance, but Hitman, the new Richard Linklater film, uh, played there and I, I finally got to catch up with it, it it's uh, written by Linklater and Glenn Powell who stars in it and it's a fantastic uh, mostly true uh, story uh, about this guy who worked with police uh, doing undercover work for them and how he kind of allows one of the personalities that he creates to kind of take over his life and he gets involved with a woman who may or may not be a killer or involved with a killer so it, it's so good and funny and well done and well acted. Um, I think Eric and I saw it at two different times. I mean, Eric saw it mm-hmm. a while ago, but but there's a scene. Uh, I don't even want to say what it's about, but it, both audiences that we saw it with burst out in applause at the end of this yep. scene. And it's a scene like in the middle of the movie. It's not even like a mm. climactic scene. It's fantastic. Anyway, I think that's coming out in June, June. right? On Netflix. June. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, right. terrific. Well, so anyway. Link, Link Letter's name is on it, which means it's probably great. So that's kind, yeah. of, how it, that's kind of how it works. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, cool. So that's Sundance. Um, and uh, what's the, Eric, what's the next uh, fest that you're going to go to? Uh, I'll be at South by Southwest in South March. South by Southwest in March. Yeah. Okay. All right, down in Texas. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, um, we'll uh, we'll uh, be, uh, we'll see what happens with that. All right, well, let's get back to the regular movies. Not a lot uh, that came out this week. Uh, only one real big movie at the at the theaters, and then a couple that stream, uh, which we'll talk about one of those in a moment. But there is one big movie that opened this uh, this week, and it's it's a spy, I don't know, caper thriller <laughs> action thing uh, from the director of the Kingsman movies, Matthew Vaughn. 
Um, and it's called Argyle, which um, uh, Steve and I, we were sitting next to each other, basically, uh, the other <laughs> night watching this movie. And it is yet another uh, variation slash ripoff of Romancing the Stone. And this one is also kind of a, well, no, I can't actually say another movie that it rips it off because it gives too much away. Um, but it, it rips off a Rennie Harlan movie uh, as well. And Oh, and a Joe Beth Williams uh, uh, movie. It rips off a Joe Beth Williams movie that had the same sort of. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, it's a piece of shit. So let's talk about it. Steve, tell us about uh, about Argyle. It's weird because uh, we're a, we're a month into the new year, and I'm guaranteeing you that this will be on my list of the worst movies of 2024. Uh, Steve, go ahead. Argyle. It rips off Sandra Bullock's last movie. Well, one of her yeah, last well, movies. Yeah, well, which, <laughs> which rips off Romancing the Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm just so, saying, yeah, it, yeah. The, the ripoff continues. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in, in my review, I ask a very simple question, which is, why is this approach to the spy genre, or whatever genre this is, about a novelist who, in, who imagines a world that's way more exciting than her own life, why is that a better way to tell the story than just telling the story? Than yeah. just... Yeah. having a spy story like why not just tell in this case a spy story why do we need that extra layer of story to make this interesting and because the truth is it doesn't it, it, it a part of me thinks a screenwriter knows that and instead it's just like makes it unnecessarily dense and full of secrets that only seem to be secrets to the lead character and which I think is done in the service of like making it funnier but it's not this movie doesn't have any laughs in it and and with the exception of a few like probably improvised zingers from Sam Rockwell, we'll get to him in a second, but like the only performance, he's the only performance that even got me through this movie. Anyway. Um, so this, so let me back it up. Matthew Vaughn. I think Matthew Vaughn's capable of some pretty good stuff. I mean, I think he made the arguably the best X-Men movie. He, he did kick ass. He did the first Kingsman movie I liked. So he's amassed this like collection of regular actors that support him. And no matter how, you know, twisted and misguided his vision may be sometimes. Uh, Argyle is maybe his most ambitious film to date, but size isn't everything. So, in fact, it's the sheer excess of the plot that ultimately kind of crushes his tale of spies, both real and imagined. Um, in this story about author Ellie Conway, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, whose uh, spy novels and their alarming accuracy uh, get her into heaps of trouble. Uh, again, borrowing heavily from all the movies we mentioned before, um, Argyle finds Ellie imagining a world of spies that who look like Henry Cavill as our as Agent Argyle and John Cena, who's kind of his trusted sidekick. Ariana DeBose is their person in the chair, and there's even in, the, in this opening sequence Dua Lipa as the the latest book's villain, who's also happens to be a great dancer. Um, so as as she's on tour with her latest uh, work, Ellie lets it slip that her next book in the series is arriving sooner than fans think. In fact, it's basically done. But her mother, played by Catherine O'Hara, thinks the book needs doesn't shouldn't have a cliffhanger ending. It should it should end uh, neatly, and she should write one more chapter. Well, it turns out there are a lot of people interested in this last chapter of the book uh, because her stories tend to predict or mirror real life events going on in the spy world, and a whole host of intelligence agents um, begin hunting her down to find out the location of a certain. I, I don't even remember what they're looking for. It's like a thumb drive of information. Who the hell knows? It's It doesn't mean anything. Um, and so, like, 
because where her agent Argyle goes, the, the real world follows. So one of these spies who's supposedly on the side of the good guys is Aiden, played by Sam Rockwell, whose primary objective is protecting Ellie and her cat in a suitcase uh, that she can't go anywhere without and uh, helping her complete her novel so so she can so he can find out where this data is hidden and get his hands on it. Um, there are a couple of, I guess, OK action sequences here and there. And, and Rockwell is doing some of his finest Sam Rockwell acting. Uh, but for the most part, Howard is just like a screeching dud who would rather yell at Rockwell than do anything productive in order to save her own life. Um, to make matters worse, there's this visual gag, and I'll see if I can explain it, that basically amounts to Rockwell and Cavill switching places every time Ellie blinks. And it just is jarring. And, you know, it's like, oh, she can't because she can't imagine that a schlub like Sam Rockwell could possibly be any kind of spy that she dreamed up like Argyle. Uh, it's visually jarring and it takes us out of the movie every time he uses it, which is most of the early action sequences. Um, there's other supporting players like Brian Cranston, who plays the head of a, of a global spy syndicate. Sophia Batella pops up. Um as, as the keeper of secrets. And, and if she doesn't get to fight, I don't care. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's in here as the former CIA head, who's also Aiden's boss. Uh, and like I said, there came, just came a point in the plot where I I can't really talk about any of the twists and turns. Uh, and there are thousands of them. Um, and after a while, I just stopped caring. It, it's all too much, all in the service of diddle, doing little more than just spinning its wheels, extending its runtime. And this thing goes like two hours and 20 minutes and just attempting to turn Bryce Dallas Howard into an action star. And that it just does not work. So I was, I was basically left speechless and, uh, and annoyed by this movie. It's aggressively mediocre. Um, yeah, that's, that's Argo. Enjoy kids. Yeah. I think it's one of the worst movies of the year. I just didn't wear a month in, uh, and it wouldn't end. It's two hours and 20 minutes. It feels like it's 25 hours long. Um, and I'm not a big, I mean, Matthew Vaughn, uh, he's done a couple of things that I kind of like, but I kind of put him in the same camp as Guy Ritchie. They're the same fucking thing. It's, it's the, it's the same sort of stylistic nonsense and all this over and this movie completely, I don't want to, you know, like two of the movies that it rips off besides Romancing the Stone, um, which it obviously rips off, but there's this, uh, I won't give it away, but there's a Joe Beth Williams movie from 1984 that this movie completely rips mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. And there's a Rennie Harlan movie from the nineties that it completely rips off. Um, and Bryce Dallas Howard is horrible in this movie um, and completely miscast. And uh, all the jokes with the cat and all the, all the fights. And there's a big, long shootout scene that's in slow motion with colors. and all. It's a bunch of bullshit. But by the time that came out, by the time that scene hit, I was done. I had been done. I was done 20 minutes into the movie. Um, and all the, like, cutting to this and there's Henry Cavill and there he isn't. And it's, a, you know, imaginary and it's not and it's real and it isn't and blah, blah, blah. Cutting back and forth. Uh, the only person in this movie who gets out relatively unscathed is Sam Rockwell, only because he's Sam Rockwell. Uh, but this is, his, this is a chore. This movie is an absolute chore uh, to get through. And uh, I can't imagine anybody not, like halfway through, not just going, can we leave now? Because that's exactly how I felt. I thought it was absolutely horrible. So you have, you have a lot to look forward to, Eric. You're going you're gonna to really. 
Yeah, well, then, be just based on your uh, not too subtle subs- descriptions there. I think I already know now what the twist of the movie. Yeah, it's yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, so I'm trying to be. You know, I didn't name the movies, so that's it. You know, no, but I, I know them. Yeah, I know. I know you exactly know exa- what you're so you know about. exactly what happens. You know exactly right. what happens. And I'm, mm-hmm. there are like there are like fifty twists. It's it's yeah. The, the, you okay. know, you might know one of them, but there's so many oh, to choose good. from. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to a movie that's on Netflix now that just debuted on Netflix this week. Um, and anybody who was alive in the 80s uh, will uh, <laughs> enjoy watching this. And it's a documentary um, with unearthed footage that I didn't even know existed uh, and new interviews. And it's all about, it's called The Greatest Night in Pop. And it's all about um, the night that um, the, the We Are the World song by USA for Africa was recorded with the all-star musical lineup and Quincy Jones at the helm and Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson who wrote it. And all the superstars who came that one night put their ego at the door and recorded the song. Uh, and that's what this is about. It's all about the, the, the recording and the writing of that song. Um, and it's called The Greatest Night in Pop. Uh, and that's what it is. So, Eric, what did you think? I thought it was terrific. I, yeah. I really did. And I, I was going in, I was expecting, uh, you know, because I think I, I think I had like a making of We Are the World VHS cassette from like sure. the 1980s. So sure. I was expecting it just to be sort of a glorified version of that. But like I said, I learned a lot about the creation of this thing. I For, for some reason, I didn't, didn't even fathom to me that it was all done in a single night. Uh, yeah. Not the writing of the song, but the, the recording yeah. of the song was done in one night. And yeah. then it was done after a freaking award show. Like yeah. that is just that just kind of blew my mind. But then, uh, you know, getting all those people in a room, like you said, you know, I, I said before that you even saw the sign. I said that all those egos in that room are going to have an opinion on what this song needs to be. And then Quincy Jones has that sign. Check your egos at the yeah. door. Yeah. And, you know, most of them do. But a few come <laughs> out. Uh, yeah. Stevie Wonder comes yeah. out a little bit, and, yeah. and and so hearing those stories and seeing you know like finding out like who they lost during the the night, like we they lose a couple people in that yeah. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I will say this: um, one of the highlights for me was when Waylon Jennings walked out. I laughed my unbelievable. ass off. Unbelievable! I just hilarious. thought that was fucking hilarious, man. I... <laughs> yeah, the reason why that's the yeah. reason why he leaves is hilarious. <laughs> Um, yeah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't make him look good, frankly. No, no but um, Waylon, and, he's Waylon Jennings, man. He's Waylon Jennings. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, and, and, you know, caught me biased a little bit, but I'm so glad that Huey Lewis Huey is such a star Huey of Lewis. this movie. God damn I mean, right. <laughs> I mean, again, he's, I mean, I always loved watching We Are World video just for his one big yeah, moment. absolutely. In that thing. And and to watch how he nails it oh, in yeah. here. It's just like, because yeah. he it wasn't supposed to be his. And you yeah. find out whose line that was supposed to be. And that's fascinating. And he's on camera talking about all this stuff. I had a great time yeah. watching this thing. And yeah. uh, just, again, one of my favorite things about music docs is the creation and the collaboration and seeing how it's all put together. And this is an hour and a half of that. Yeah. Uh, and by the end of it, I was just like, this is beautiful. This yeah. is absolutely beautiful yeah. that this happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Steve, where do you stand on it? Oh, I, it's terrific. And like, I, I never even really liked the song that much. But yeah, I can't stand that, a song. I can't stand anytime the song. That video, yeah, yeah. Anytime the video came on, I, I I just sat there. I like yeah. I was like a fucking anthropologist, yeah, right? Like picking it apart, <laughs> like trying to figure out. And I'm still they still the one question that has always I've always wondered that I never had answered properly is why the fuck is Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, there? exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. But, and I I kind of have my theories, but but I, the other thing that cracked me up was 
them talking about who wasn't there, like Madonna right. or Prince. Prince gets more mentions in this movie <laughs> than some of the people that actually participated in it. Well, it's it. an interesting it's and an interesting story because, like, yeah, it, it, the, the 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 sort of subtext that comes up is that Sheila E. They only invited Sheila E. Ultimately, uh-huh. to get Prince there, because you know Prince, yeah. nobody. Was, she was bait. She was yeah, bait. yeah, and 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 <laughs> that came up, and I'm like, God damn it! And the fact that Sheila E. participated in this movie now says a lot yeah. about her. You know what I mean? Yeah. It really yeah. does. Oh, yeah. 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 Terrible. For her. Oh, She's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also thought it was. I I also really love that they like. I mean. And I'd seen some of it, but to kind of put it all into context, like, I mean, Lionel Richie, not only was it right after an award show, it was an award show that Lionel Richie hosted. Oh, yeah. And then then he comes yeah. right over to this and like, you know, has to finish up this song. And it's like, oh, my God. I mean, I yeah. have a I, I mean, most people have a love hate relationship with that guy, but I have a respect for him, at least that he like what a night he had. So he, the yeah. pressure on him that day. But yeah, it, it's 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 kind of wonderful to see like the order in which they recorded everything because they yeah. kind of, maybe they thought they knew they yeah. were going to lose some people. And, yeah. um, and I, I mean, I, I'd heard the story about Cindy Lauper's jewelry, uh, the mystery yep. <laughs> of her jewelry coming up on the microphone. I knew that story, but it was great to like, hear it, hear it sort of again, like in, in context. And, um, it's, this is definitely more than just like gossipy fluff, which is also in here. Like, you know, yeah. you mentioned the Al Jarreau thing, but like it kind of gets <laughs> to the heart of what the artists were attempting to do and how close to the sessions were to not happening. And, and like, I think Bob Geldof, I, more than the ego sign, Bob Geldof coming in and just oh, kind yeah. of yeah. talking just before they started recording. I think that's what set well, the tone it's like, for it's the like, It's like Geldof like, comes in, Geldof, because Geldof started this whole thing with, with, yeah. uh, with uh, Band-Aid and, uh, right. and with Do They Know It's Christmas. And, you yeah. know, and then, uh, you know, you know, like they were like, well, we got to do America's like, well, we got to do what the Brits did. They bring Geldof in and everybody's like, ha, ha, ha. And he's like, hey, fucking listen to this. People are dead. You might want to think, <laughs> keep that in your brain, you know, when you're recording yeah. this. And I love Bob Geldof. I love Bob Geldof. And, and yeah. I thought that that was great, too. And there were so many, like, you mentioned Al Jarreau. Al Jarreau gets loaded. He's drinking, like, a bunch of wine. <laughs> He's shit-faced by the time they get to his solo. Yeah. And that segment that you're talking about, that section in the song, for the, the Huey Lewis, uh, Cindy Lauper, Kim Carnes section, that's my favorite part of the whole song. And the fact that that, yeah. like, in the, and God damn, Huey Lewis is the king. And, uh, and, and that was awesome. And, uh, and, and I love Al Jarreau getting drunk. I love Smokey Robinson calling everybody out, man. I love that. Yeah. Like Smokey Robinson going, hold on a minute. Like he's like, <laughs> he's like telling Stevie to shut up and like, look, man. Yeah. And then walking up to Michael Jackson and talking shit to Michael Jackson. Look, man, you were a kid when we met, when we were doing Mozart. You know what I mean? Like Smokey Robinson being quiet, you know, one of the greatest vocalists in the history of music. And then finally he goes like, look, man, I got to say something. I'm fucking Smokey Robinson. You know, and he comes down and I loved all that stuff and the, and the, and like the Bob Dylan stuff. I also love the Springsteen. Okay. So much yeah. in this, like the Spr- the Springsteen interview from now that he does, because they do they interview people now, you know, like Lionel Richie, and they interview they like mm-hmm. uh, like Huey Lewis and everybody. But the best is Springsteen because he basically, without saying it, he basically says the song is shit, <laughs> without, <laughs> without actually without actually saying it, you know. <laughs> and he's well, like, the, yeah, this, it, it's it's really did a lot of good though. But you know, he thinks the song is terrible. The, the funniest thing about the Al Jarreau thing is that he was blocking Bruce Springsteen yeah. from like that. I mean, Bruce yeah. was like the next voice. And that's the moment that everyone was waiting for, right. for him to just right. explode yeah. into the microphone for the first time. Right. And he couldn't get to the mic because Al Jarreau <laughs> kept fucking up. So it's yeah. so, so it's so funny. And I well, will also say lastly, just real quick that 
this is also a great tribute to Harry Belafonte, who oh, really yeah. kind of got yeah. this thing going. And yeah, yeah. and you kind of forget that. And at one point, Quincy Jones like calls him out when everyone's there, and it's a really beautiful. And everyone starts singing Deo, and yeah. like, or the and, and oh, they, that's like, so great. It's such yeah. a great spontaneous. Yeah. And by the way, moment. and by the way, you know who leads that? Al Jarreau. He Al leads Jarreau. Al <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, I I had a great time watching it, and uh, and there yeah. are a lot of uh, you know a lot, a lot of great footage, and also really quickly, also really getting perspective of, of engineers who were at the board, mm-hmm. cameramen, yeah. cameramen who yes. were filming it, and lighting guys who were there. So they had a whole bunch of tech people got their stories about what it was like to be in that room. It's a terrific documentary, and I highly highly recommend it. And anybody who is familiar with We Are the World and the USA for Africa thing. All that story is in there with great footage. It's terrific. It's very entertaining. And in Huey Lewis rules. So that's it. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the greatest night in pop. All right. All right, guys. Uh, uh, thanks for the big report on Sundance. Um, and everybody check out uh, the podcasts and all that cool stuff. And we will talk to you guys uh, in a couple of weeks with some new movie reviews. Sounds yep. great. All right. Cool, guys. Take care. Later. Thanks. There you go. That's uh, Steve Procopi and Eric Childress. Uh, talking about uh, Sundance and the new movies and a really terrific and entertaining documentary about We Are the World. So make sure you check it out. It's on Netflix now. All right, you know who's great? Esmeralda Leon. That's who's coming up right now. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Well, you know what that means. That funky theme by the one and only Jason Skaggs is uh, an indication that we're going to speak with Esmeralda Leon now, and she joins us now. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Oh, man, you know. It's there's a thing happening and, and that's mm-hmm. it. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Any big plans for the weekend? It's the, we're, we're, we're a Friday. We're at a Friday now. Anything going on? Yeah. 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 Um, no, just uh, hanging out. Just hanging out. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. We have some snacks to, uh, to continue to taste tests, uh, from the lovely, mm-hmm. uh, universal yums.com. And again, our thanks to yes. our listener, Deanna for, uh, getting us a, a, a subscription. Hey, by the way, the, the, you know, the, the box that was taken from my lobby, mm-hmm. the, you know, the one that you taste tested, uh, uh, the, sp- the, 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 the snacks from Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, Deanna said, sent them a note and said, Hey, it was stolen from, uh, from my friend's lobby. Uh, and they sent a replacement package for free. Oh, that's nice. And I got it yesterday. So I have all the snacks that you reviewed. I now, I can now taste them from Spain. Cool. Yeah. Nobody stole it from my lobby. I got that. I was like, hey, look at that. <laughs> so there it is. But they were kind enough. The people at Universal Yums were kind enough. They were like, okay, we'll replace it. No charge. I thought that was pretty cool, man. Yeah. Pretty cool. That's so very anyway, nice. Really cool service. And we'll talk more about some snacks. We got some chippies and some, uh, we got some chippies and, and a yum bag. I don't know what that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a little, <laughs> a little curious about just something called a yum bag. I'm not, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like a good thing. 
I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. It also could be dirty, but it's not in this case. But, mm-hmm. yeah. but of course, my mind goes <laughs> my mind goes directly to filth uh, when it uh, when it comes to that. So we got right. that coming up. Uh, <laughs> we got that coming up too. I'm very excited. A little behind the scenes stuff. Uh, you know, I, I I host this other podcast called uh, That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. It's all about Saturday Night Live, and and I love doing it. And I've been watching Saturday Night Live literally since the very first episode in October of 1975. Um, and I DVR it every week and I watch it every week. And, uh, and so I thought, you know, I, I should do this podcast about SNL. I've got way too much completely useless and stupid knowledge in my head about SNL. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, what the hell? I, I have to get it out somewhere. And so that's what I do the podcast. And I've had really great guests on in the past. I've had members from Saturday Night Live and writers and, and friends and things like that. And behind the scenes here, we're going to record later on today, not to ruin the, mm-hmm. Not to ruin the the magic here, but you and I are going to record an episode. You're going to be a guest, and I'm mm-hmm. very excited. I'm very excited to have you on my SNL podcast because I know you like SNL. Yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, and you chose your five favorite sketches and some of your runners up, um, and we're going to talk about that. And it's and it's just a coincidence that one of the sketches you chose is one of my very favorites. And I nice. And I recorded an entire episode about that sketch, and just coincidentally. <laughs> it's included in your favorites, which I think is great. So nice, but I'm yeah. looking forward to that. We're going to record <laughs> that later on, just a little behind the scenes. We're going to record that later on today, and uh, and I'm excited. And it will drop in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, Esmeralda as my guest on uh, that show hasn't been funny in years. So cool. And uh, and I'll interview you about watching it when you were a kid and what were your favorites and all that cool stuff. It'll be fun. So I'm looking forward to that. So. Uh, anyway, so the last time we were talking about, uh, this article, um, that, um, uh, we were looking at about, uh, celebrities that everybody loves, you know? Yes. Yes. And we were talking about, cause the last one we were talking about was Betty White and who doesn't love Betty White, right? Right. She's, I, at least in, from what I've seen, I don't know how she was behind the scenes, but it seems that she didn't have a bad bone in her body. That's what that would be. You know, that's everything I've heard, everything that you see on camera with her about how funny she was and lovely. And she had this wonderful marriage with Alan Ludden and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody who had ever worked with her spoke very highly of her, that she was a professional, that she was good. She was good at comedy and good at drama and uh, and great on game shows. And um, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, all reports are that she she was just a lovely human being. So so. Um, I thought we would uh, wrap up that article and talk about celebrities that everybody loves and then jump into the more fun topic of celebrities that everybody hates. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure is a very long list if, if it, it could be. It is. Yeah. I mean, there are there are a ton and not everybody hates, you know, uh, celebrities so like like, uh, for instance, we were talking about this the last time we were talking about um, how some of us might like celebrities that everybody else hates. Like, for instance, I mentioned uh, my love for Courtney Love. I happen to love her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's she's a train wreck. <laughs> you know, I'm the, the first to admit that she's a deeply, deeply flawed human being and went through some serious substance problems and not the greatest parent in the world, but I still like her. I think she's an awesome rock star. And so, yeah. But I'm sure that there might be some people on the list, the celebrities of uh, people on the list that uh, that some people will defend or like. But for the most part, I think mm-hmm. that this, this list of celebrities that everybody hates everybody hates but let's get let's get into more celebrities that everybody loves okay see if you agree with these okay what do you think next uh dolly parton 
yeah how, how do you not love um Dolly Parton? i yeah she even though i think even though she does because she does a lot of things like she funded a lot of covid research she did a lot of things that maybe some people would not enjoy although that sounds weird mm-hmm. <laughs> people not liking it, that she would fund covid research but i think yeah. whatever she does in terms of like a, a political way mm-hmm. people don't seem to either know about it or ignore it or whatever because honestly nobody talks bad about dolly parton yeah yeah, and she, you know, and obviously uh, her philanthropic efforts, you know, you mentioned like uh, COVID research and other things. I mean, she gives millions to incredible charities. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, have you ever been to Dollywood? I've never been. It's no, have you? fucking great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, uh, Years ago, I, I, I years and years, like 20-something years ago, I went down to uh, Tennessee and Nashville and right outside of Nashville is Franklin and, and um and I was, I was, we were visiting Franklin and uh, went to Dollywood. It's great. It's, it's, it was great. I don't know. I've been there in 20 something years and, and uh, but it was, it was fun when I went, uh, really mm-hmm. cool place, but yeah. And, and she's, you nice. know, she's, and I, and I love that when she got, you remember, you remember just, it was, I think it was la- the year before last, right? She was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and then was like, Hey, but I'm not rock and roll. Why am I getting inducted? And then, um, right. <laughs> And then, so then what does she do? She she gets dressed in leather, uh, sings with Rob Halford from Judas Priest, and then makes a rock album just so she's like, she, nice. felt, she felt it would be more legit. She's like, okay, I'm in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I should probably make a rock album. <laughs> and she did because she's fucking Dolly Parton. That's why. So um, Dolly Parton is an actress. Do you remember? Uh, have you seen 9 to 5? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, uh, Jane Fonda. Um, and she was in, what else was Dolly Parton in? Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Yeah, she she did a, I think it was a made, for, it might have, I think it was a made for TV movie where like she lived in the the boonies. Like she lived like where in wherever she grew up, that kind of area, the Appalachian. yeah. yeah area and there's like a mountain man up there or something and he's like very sweet i forget what it was exactly but it was one of those like it looked like it sounded like a made for tv movie type situation that yeah she made. and it yeah. was like something very close to like where she grew up it was something like that yeah i vaguely remember that like it like your abc movie of the week um yeah where dolly's up in the woods with uh with the with the with the woodsman um up there mm-hmm. I, i'm trying to remember and mm-hmm. i vaguely remember that i remember she was also in um uh straight talk you remember straight talk no she was in two movies she was in two movies where she had the most unlikely and pretty inappropriate romantic lead partner oh wow okay. so like straight talk you know what straight talk was shot here in chicago esmeralda and um mm. and was about talk radio like she became, oh. she became a talk radio sensation in this movie, um, mm-hmm. and the radio station set that they built was uh, inside the Y at Lincoln near Belmont and Roscoe. Mm-hmm. That that was where they set up the fake radio station, so that she was like. You know, you know how we used to have at uh, at the car wash, we used to have the showcase studio on Michigan Avenue. 
Mm-hmm. Well, they set it up in the movie. They built the set so that it looked like a showcase studio right there on Lincoln Avenue where the Y, inside the Y building. Right. And it was literally like blocks away from where I grew up. So I remember seeing the movie going, oh man, I used to hang out at that Y, you know, because right, right there. And, <laughs> and so Dolly Parton became like a, you know, she was like a Southern, you know, shoot from the hip, you know, like Dolly Parton is in like every movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah. she was like the lovable shoot from the hip uh, talk show, radio talk show host who became very popular and her boss at the radio station and romantic interest in the movie. Mm. Romantic lead. Are you ready? You haven't looked it up. Have you looked it up? Because I know something. No. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready to be su- surprised as for the first of two movies that she did with romantic leads that are just inappropriate? You ready? Okay. Yeah. James Woods. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. A, rom- sure. <laughs> a frothy romantic comedy with Dolly Parton and James Woods about talk radio. <laughs> You should check it out. Yep. I, think you'd, I think you'd get a kick out of it. I think it might be on, it's got to be on one of them UB or Loopy or Tubi or Lippy or whatever those channels are. That you have. It might be on there. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, about Chicago talk radio, which is something that you are intimately familiar with. And, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and James Woods was the romantic lead in that. So Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then now you, you know the other weird romantic lead that she was with. And I'm not, I'm not counting Burt Reynolds and, best little whorehouse in texas because that's that Mm -hmm. you know that burt reynolds and dolly parton together that seems normal that seems fine yeah actually yes yeah (laughs) but but james woods and dolly parton i don't know you know i don't (laughs) yeah he doesn't mm, yeah no yeah it's like it doesn't it doesn't seem to match whatsoever you know dolly parton and the star videodrome i don't know it just seems a little (laughs) (laughs) a little weird to me but the other one was the, and this is a legendary uh, dog of a movie um, that she was in, uh, Rhinestone. Mm-hmm. You remember Rhinestone? No. Oh God, you should look that one up. Dolly Parton and Sylvester mm-hmm. Stallone. Sylvester Stallone and Sylvester Stallone sings oh. country in it. He sings country songs in it. Oh, I think I vaguely, I vaguely know that. Yeah. yeah, still. Mm, that seems weird. From the director of Porky's. Um, uh, and Christmas Story. And Christmas Story. And Black Christmas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Dolly Parton, Sylvester Stallone, Ron Liebman. My man, Ron Liebman, Kaz, oh. uh, was like sort of the bad guy in it. Um, but oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I, you know, when I think romantic uh, couplings, I think Sylvester Stallone. Dolly Parton or Dolly Parton, James Woods. Those all, those work. <laughs> those work pretty well. Oh, she was also in uh, Steel Magnolias. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Along with like every woman in the 80s was in that movie. I think every woman right. who was ever in a movie in the 80s. Was it Sally, let's see, Sally Field, Daryl Hannah, right? Um, mm-hmm. Julia, Julia mm-hmm. Roberts, Olympia Dukakis. Shirley yep. MacLaine, right? Shirley MacLaine was in that too, right? Yeah. Jesus, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's, that's, that's disgusting that I remember <laughs> it's like all the other guys yeah, are, yeah, yeah. oh my god how do i remember that oh wait a minute hi i'm carrie russell and i love nick's show hi, hi carrie Ru- oh carrie's wearing a steel magnolias t-shirt oh 
Oh, of course. She's a fan. She's a fan. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Okay, Carrie. Yeah, I I had successfully forgotten about Steel Magnolias. I just remember that there was a scene where, like, that, 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 like, um, they were, like, yelling at, because Julia Roberts was diabetic. Yeah. And they were yeah. yelling. They and just kept yelling, drink the juice. I just remember. <laughs> yeah, she was getting her hair done. Okay. And she just started to, um, like, kind of not go into a coma, but, like, she started seizuring a little bit. Right. And it was because she needed juice. Her blood sugar was low. Right. But because they were kind of, like, forcing it on her, she felt like she was being babied, I guess. Mm-hmm. So she wouldn't do it. <laughs> She's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And they're like, just drink the juice, Shelby. <laughs> oh, okay. So I do remember that kind of correct. I just remember them yeah. screaming. I remember people yelling, drink the juice at, uh, at yeah. Julia Roberts. And she, yeah, she starts to like have this seizure and she's like not giving up that she that she will drink the juice so they're kind of forcing it on her <laughs> but she's spitting she kind of spits it out and like it gets to be like a big old mess and then when she finally like actually drinks it and calms down she's like oh, i'm sorry <laughs> jesus christ i remember that show was a really big hit on stage steel magnolias because i remember oh, yeah? I remember there was a there was a production of it, maybe a touring production that came to Chicago, and I remember Roy Leonard used to give away tickets to it all the time. Like he, I just remember, I, I just it's, remember. It, it seems like a, a like a stage play. It was like a play, could, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I the only thing yeah. I remember was that Roy gave away tickets to it all the time. Like he always, like if you called up Roy's show at some point, like what could he give you a pair of tickets to see Steel Magnolias? I just remember that was a big. That was a big <laughs> And I remember that, and I remember Drink the Juice. I remember them screaming, Drink the mm-hmm. Juice. Because I, Scott, my friend Scott Oaken and I used to make fun of that all the time. But Drink the Juice! We would scream, Drink the Juice at each other all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, does, don't they all yell at each other? Julia Roberts dies, and don't they all, like, scream at each other uh, and call each other bitches and cry by her grave? Isn't there a scene where they, like, scream? Yeah, um, I know they scream. It's because, like, Shirley MacLaine is... Her role is like she's kind of this crotchety old lady. Oh, really? There's a shock. <laughs> and but they always see her at. So Dolly Parton owns a salon, so they always. I mean, they see her around town and everything, and they're kind of friendly because you know they're the South, so they're friends with everyone. <laughs> but like, there's a whole scene where she like gets angry about something, or and then they all just start yelling at each other, and I think it's all spurred on because of uh, her death. Because she had Roberts. gotten married. Like, that was the whole, yeah. The whole thing was, like, she was getting married and the wedding. And then after that, she has a child. And, like, she shouldn't have had the child because it affected her, oh, her okay. um, diagnosis and her sickness and stuff. And then that, like, it eventually killed her. But, yeah, she was fairly young. So, and then these are all older women. So, they're all sad and mad about the death yeah. of a young yeah. And then one Sally Sally Field's daughter. Oh right, Sally Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sally Field's and she starts screaming. And they all start crying. See, the problem is she should have mm-hmm. drank. She should have drank her fucking juice. She'd be fine if she drank. The I mean, juice. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Well, Dolly Parton owned the uh, boy. That was a big hit too. That was another big movie she was in. That movie made a lot yeah. of money. I remember that movie was huge. a big, big hit, huge hit. So Dolly Parton. Everybody loves Dolly Parton. Um, now, do you have the article in front of you that I'm looking at? Of mm-hmm. celebrities, okay. You, you, you might want to for the next one. You might want to take this. You might want to. You might want to take this one. 
Uh, so Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, I mean, on the, on the list I, of on the list of, uh, of list of celebrities that everybody uh, loves, and if you're a regular listener to me, uh, I'm not a Robin Williams at all. I mean, I had a friend who didn't really like him, but she didn't she didn't like him because she thought he was always on. Yeah. And how odd that she said that because then in in the end it truly was what was happening. He was always yeah. on. Yeah. Um, to cover up that he truly was very yeah. depressed. Yeah, yeah. I was never, you know, not to speak ill of the dead, and it's tragic, and what happened to him is horrible, you know, and what and and you know what he went through, and and the end of his life was is an, is a is a horrible tragedy, and nobody should go through that. But I was never a fan of Robin Williams, ever. The guy, yeah. uh, he he always annoyed me. He never made me laugh. I just wanted him. Like when he was doing his shtick, I'm like, shut the fuck up. He drove me nuts i like actively hated robin williams um so you know uh, on this list i'm the one person <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm the one person and you and my friend <laughs> yeah you yeah i would get along with your friend really well because he drove me nuts i was like how in the fuck you know because if you scream and do bits rapid fire for five minutes and throw a ton of shit at the wall some of it'll stick it doesn't make you a comedy genius right you know <laughs> So, but let's go, let's, let's, uh, let's move on because most people love the guy and I don't want to speak ill of the dead and it, and it is a horrible tragedy and he was, you know, taken from us way too young, obviously. Um, but I, I guess I liked him when he was Mork, I guess, when I was younger, when I was a kid, I thought he, I guess yeah. he was kind of funny on that. But I, I like, recently, I like, um, yeah, what, what'd you say? I recently saw Popeye again and I'm just... <laughs> I'm amazed. I'm like, how is this movie in existence? Let, listen, it's a very, very weird. And I don't hate that movie, but it's really weird. It's really it's very know, weird. It's 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 Robert Altman. I'm like, how the hell is why would Robert Altman, you know, director of really strange and idiosyncratic and small movies, you know, like uh, you know, like Mash and The Player and Brewster McCloud and all these like these interesting weird movies, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like what is what. What, what is he doing, Popeye? I, I'll tell you though, I love, <laughs> I love uh, uh, Shelley Duvall in it. I love Shelley Duvall in it. I think mm. she's because you know, like, who else is going to play olive oil? Like, what living actress at that? Yeah, time? that was a perfect oh, casting. I mean, the casting was amazing, absolutely amazing. But the Robin Williams movies that I like, I love uh, World's Greatest Dad, the one that Bobcat Goldthwait mm-hmm. wrote and directed. I love that movie, and I think he's great in it. It's also the darkest. <laughs> Have you seen World's Greatest Dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that movie. I went to see that movie at the um, the Century uh, over on Clark and uh, Diversity, the Landmark mm-hmm. Century. And I went the day it opened, like on a Friday matinee. Uh, and this is a very, very fucked up and dark movie where, um, you know, he plays a writer whose books have not been successful, so... Uh, he, he, he writes about his son. He like his son's diary, mm-hmm. which is not real. Like, cause his son was a bastard. His son was a real fucking bastard. And the kid died. Uh, what do you call it when you're, ha- when you, when you, um, um, auto asphyxiation. Yeah. He died jerking believe, off with the, yeah. with a belt around his neck. That's how he, that's how he died. Yeah. And Bobcat Goldthwait wrote and directed. It's a really, really dark black comedy, like dark, like, whoa. To the point where I was even going, God damn, you know, 
And I remember, I, I remember when I went to go see it as well. It was a Friday afternoon matinee, so the theater was not packed or anything. But mm-hmm. most of the people, <laughs> most of the people in the theater, because it was cheap, it was a Friday matinee, so there were a lot of senior citizens in the theater. Oh wow! And uh-huh. po- and and so it's like Robin Williams, world's greatest dad. You know the poster. It's like a kind of a weird, yeah. kind of like happy poster. It's called World's Greatest Dad. It's great. Oh, heartwarming great. story about a dad. You have no idea the walkouts that were happening, or I should say, walker outs that were happening uh, during the movie. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, people- <laughs> like, oh my god! And like, people were just getting up and leaving. <laughs> but I love that, and I love World According to Garb. I love. Yeah that movie and i love the book so anyway all right so those are celebrities really Here's liked, another one. Uh, one hour photo as well oh yeah well yeah you know when he's all in insomnia with uh, him and pacino yeah so when he's fucking dark i like it <laughs> there you go mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that tapped into some sort well, of truth you know what i mean maybe well, yeah but also it's i mean all we saw was him being goofy right and how, like happy go lucky, and then you see him in like serious roles, and it was like, whoa, right? Yeah, insomnia, really good at that. <laughs> insomnia, Garp, because Garp's a comedy, but it's serious, mostly serious and kind of dark. Mm-hmm. One hour photo and world's greatest day. Yeah, the, really, the, the dark stuff is the good stuff that he did. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because he did some, at least in my mind, some stinkers. Oh my god, are you <laughs> kidding me? God, I mean, like, boy. what was it, Jack? Was that that Jack, movie? yeah, directed by Francis Coppola. It's <laughs> a grown child? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. God, it's like... Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> uh, that's that's how I felt after seeing that. Him. I like toys. I did oh, did like you toys. really? Did you? Now, I've only seen I it like the one time. <laughs> I've only seen it the one time. Listen, I got a lot of friends who back that movie. Seriously, I do. It's a very wonk. It's very Wonka feeling. Yeah, that's like that's the, what I. Yeah, very old. He's like a Wonka. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get it. I get. Uh, no, I got some people who back that movie. Like people who you know, you know, like whose whose opinions I respect. I've only seen it the one time, and I hated it. But I should go back mm-hmm. and watch it. I should give it another shot. I mean, if Barry Levinson uh, directed that, if yep. I'm not mistaken, LL Cool J. Oh, that's right. LL's <laughs> in it. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, no, I should give that one another shot because I, I remember hating it, but it's been like 30 years. I mean, that movie's old. It's a, yeah. that's like a, so I should probably uh, try to give that one another uh, another shot. But I remember Bird hating Cage. it. Oh, that. No, you know, he, and that's a great movie too. And he's like the straight man in that because Nathan Lane's yeah. the big, Nathan Lane's the goofy ass in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause, and he's good in that. Robin Williams is really good. In, that's a fucking funny movie too. Yeah. That's a really funny movie. Man, how funny is uh, is uh, Hank Azaria in that? Oh, a, so all, everyone's all, great in Everybody that. is phenomenal. Gene Hackman, Diane Weist. It's, oh, yeah, that movie's great. And he's the straight man. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he did Flubber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I saw Flubber. I did not see Flubber. I, I did. I did. And uh, boy, I think <laughs> he's, he was in a lot of terrible movies. He made a lot of terrible movies. He yeah. did that uh, Father's Day with him and Billy Crystal. Uh, was terrible. Mm. Uh, but he was in a lot. I mean, he made a lot of bad movies. Like he oh. did. He did Jumanji, which yeah, for people my yeah. age, yeah, it's like you know, they saw it as a kid. So I, I, and listen, since they remade it, people well, are well. Like I prefer the I I prefer I prefer the original to the Rock Kevin Hart stuff. I I like the original right. 
than the than the Rock yeah. Kevin Hart ones. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. Oh, how about this one? Did you ever see the Survivors with him and Walter Matthau? No. This is early. This is early. This was like his second. This was like after mm-hmm. Garp. This was like right after Pope- Popeye and Garp. So it was very early in his career before his movie career really took mm-hmm. off. He was still he was still pretty much Mork at that time. Yeah. But, um, this movie, The Survivors, and it was about uh, what do you, what do you, what do you call the people who are um, well survivalists, the people that are preparing for the end of the world. They got the food stocked up yeah. in their basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, yeah, those those people and 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 they have guns. They've got you know they've got places in, in the woods where they where they shoot guns and stuff. And it's about people in the survivalists mm-hmm. where Robin Williams gets you know kind of brainwashed and uh, into this society of survivalists. And Walter Matthau has to save him or something. Like, Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that one in high school. I remember going to see that one in high school. Yeah, he did. He had his moments. He had his moments with movies, and then yeah. he did not. <laughs> but everybody loved. Everybody. I mean, did he was in Goodwill Hunting. He was good. Yeah, not a. I, I, I like that movie. I'm not. I, I'm not crazy about his performance now. But I, 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 I kind of am angry about that performance. Here's why. Uh, because that's the year that uh, uh Burt Reynolds should have won for Boogie Nights, and he didn't. Mm. And I was pissed. And I remember being pissed because, because you know, Robin, because I don't like Robin Williams, and he won. I'm like, motherfucker. You know, I was pissed because, because <laughs> it's Boogie Nights, it's P.T. Anderson, and Burt Reynolds rules in Boogie Nights. And uh, so, and that's the, the same thing happened to Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, movie a couple of years later, because what's his ass? Uh, Michael Caine won for uh, the John Irving thing of uh, Cider House. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so Michael Caine won Best Supporting Actor that year when Tom Cruise was up for Magnolia, and then I was just pissed again. I was like, God damn it! What? <laughs> these great, legendary supporting performances in these Paul Thomas Anderson movies, and fucking Robin Williams wins and Michael Caine wins instead of Burt Reynolds and Tom Cruise, so I was mad. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, Good Will Hunting, people love him in that, and you know, I guess he... You know, he he improvised uh, that. I guess that whole scene where like they're talking about farting, like his wife farting. Uh, mm, yeah, yeah. That was all improvised by by Robin Williams and and left in there. So, mm. yeah. So people loved him. Now, you, now, th- now the next guy on this list, Esmeralda, on the list of celebrities that everybody loves. Does everybody? Yeah. Did everybody really love this guy, or am I am I am I nuts? I don't. I he he felt very much like how you feel about Robin Williams. Yeah, I I don't know if this guy was universally I loved. Yeah, uh, I think it was that same kind of thing where like because he was very high energy. Yeah. Anytime you saw him, he was just like bouncing off the walls. Um, mind you, and- you know, I never watched his show because that was. It was mainly for children, wasn't it? it well, we're talking about Steve Irwin, um, yeah, the, croc- the crocodile hunter, the guy from Australia. The hi, mate, you know, but I, yeah, yeah, he was very much like a caricature of a person. <laughs> yeah, and I, but didn't he remember he caused a whole bunch of like there was a whole bunch of flack because he took his baby and like held it next to a crocodile's face or something. Do you remember that? Yeah, well, because he has like, a, like he... a zoo, they had a zoo or whatever, right? So then, yeah. He, but he had like he a had he had his, 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 and, 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 like that, and that kid now 
And that kid now is like an adult and he does what Steve Irwin does. He goes on talk shows and he yeah. brings out crazy animals mm-hmm. and shit. So, I mean, the kid is fine. But I remember, I remember Steve Irwin catching hell because like the kid was a, he was a baby, not even a toddler. He was like yeah. a fucking infant. And he's like, hey, dangling the kid in front of a crocodile's mouth. I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> and then didn't he get killed by a, 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 a an, well, what the hell? He got stung by a. It was a stingray. Is a stingray, really? right? A sting- Didn't he? That's how he died. He was like, he was running around right. in the, you know, fucking with animals, and the stingray killed him. I was like, well, what? Yeah, he like surprised it, and right. it stabbed right. him. It like right. it stabbed him right in the heart. In the heart, yeah. And and it's tragic again. Obviously, this guy died too young, and it was horrible. But this guy's running around fucking around with yeah. animals, and I'm like, hey man, what? Dangling your infant in front of a crocodile, and then you get. St- Stabbed in the heart. I mean, that's terrible, but goddamn, man, that's a little weird. But I don't know why he's on this list. I can see why Robin Williams is on the list of celebrities that everybody loves. But for some reason, I'm like, mm-hmm. Steve Irwin, did everybody really love Am I missing something? Did everybody love Steve Irwin? Um, I think enough people did yeah. for him to be on this list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I just found, um, I found that a little. But yeah, you're right. He is kind of... Esmeralda, as you mentioned, he's cut kind of from the same cloth. A lot of yelling. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, yeah. doing wacky shit. So, right. now the definition of everyone, whatever that is, <laughs> it's the minimum, I think, for Steve right. Irwin. Right. It's, it's so a, very, a very loose, inter- <laughs> very loose interpretation of, of him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There are two more on the list. Um, and I think, I actually think the last two, I think, I don't know anybody who doesn't like these guys. Um, so number 11 on the list is, uh, Brendan Fraser. I, I love Brendan Fraser. I, I think he's great. And, you know, I was thrilled yeah. that he, I, that he won the Academy Award for the whale. I loved him in it and, mm-hmm. and I've always liked him and I, I like, I like, you know, I've I always rooted for his comeback and stuff and I've always been a fan. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think too, I don't know if he really when he was famous like when he was really like popular in movies and stuff i don't remember really hearing about him mm-hmm. as in in terms of like tabloid or anything like that you just yeah. kind of yeah yeah saw him in in movies and stuff and then maybe you would see him in interviews and things like that but there was never any time when you'd be like oh boy did you see yeah. that Brendan Fraser thing where he, yeah. So and then he disappeared. So and then when he when he comes back, he's still super nice. Yeah. So I think that's. I'm not saying that he is a terrible man in any way, <laughs> yeah. but that kind of I think saved him. The fact that like he doesn't really, um, do much to disturb anyone. Yeah. He's just kind of there. One, he's yeah. Canadian. So yeah, that well, makes sense. That, that makes him nice automatically. <laughs> right. But, and there has been like stuff that we've like, that's come out or whatever. That's like, oh yeah, no, he's very nice and this and that. And like, yeah. he cried when he heard that people were like trying to make a comeback for him. And yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And, and his speech at the Oscars was lovely. And, uh, mm-hmm. and his performance, his performance in the whale. Have you seen the whale by the way? I have not. Yeah. It's no. a real happy movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Darren Aronofsky. So right there, you know what I mean? You know, from the director of Black Swan and 
Requiem for a Dream. He makes happy, The Wrestler. He makes very happy movies, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like walking on clouds after you see a Darren Aronofsky movie. And Mother, you know, with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. And <laughs> Yeah, the the movie. Yeah, that, I'm just. I'm hoping. I'm hoping we don't hear anything bad about Brendan Fraser. That's always yeah, the like. Yeah. He's he's really. I will say this. He's really bad. Not. He's really bad in Oppenheimer. He's terrible in Oppenheimer. Oh really? Jeez. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's bad in that, but like, he's really bad in it, and uh, mm-hmm. um, he's got a small part, but but he's not good in it. But I love Brendan Fraser. I loved him since Encino Man. I love Encino Man. I love that movie. Yeah. You know what? You know what movie I love that he's in that everybody hates that that uh, I think deserves a, a, another look, especially if he can find the director's cut because uh, Henry Selleck, the director of the movie, got fucked over. They took it from him. They recut it. Monkey Bone. Have you ever seen Monkey Bone? Um, I have not. Oh, check it out. Seen Monkey Bone. I think you. I actually think you'd like it, Esmeralda. I think you'd like it. You should look it up. Um, the guy who made it uh, is the guy who made. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Obviously, everybody thinks Tim Burton mm-hmm. made Nightmare Before Christmas because he wrote it. But Henry Selleck was the director of Nightmare Before Christmas, and his follow-up was this movie called Monkey Bone, and it was half animated and half live action. And Brendan Fraser is in it. It's very dark mm-hmm. and very twisted, and they took the movie away from him. The studio recut it, and so the version that was released was really not the director's cut. And I still like it, but the director's cut's amazing, and Fra- Brendan Fraser's awesome in it. He gets to do like a split personality thing. He's great in it. So if you if you if you're a fan of Brendan Fraser, you should check out Monkey Bone. It's a I think it's a terrific movie. But you know the Mummy, those are fun movies, and you know I, you know I'm I'm I enjoyed, I enjoyed Bedazzled. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Harold the late great Harold Ramis directed that. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a very cute, it's a very cute movie. Absolutely. Now, did you see the original? With um, because it was because no. the original the because the, the the remake is is Brendan Fraser and it's uh, Elizabeth Hurley as the mm-hmm. devil, and in the original it's Dudley Moore, um, and Raquel Welch, in the original. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So you should check it out if you like the if you like the remake. You should you should check out the original. But yeah, Brendan Fraser. I don't know. You gotta love Brendan Fraser, and you root for the guy. Yeah. come back and everything. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, he's a good sure. guy. And then the last one on the list, who doesn't love Paul Rudd? Really, seriously. Mm-hmm. I love Paul he Rudd. He seems like a nice guy. Again, I don't think we've heard anything bad about him yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was once in an elevator with him because he oh. was on Johnny's show. He was on, on Johnny's show. On Jonathan, um, Jonathan Brandmeier's show, yes. Yes. So you uh, were on an was... elevator with Paul. Tell me about that. He was promoting. I didn't talk to him because he had his people or whatever. I was just bringing him up to the studios. <laughs> but he is on uh, just a little bit taller than me. I'm five three, so he is a short. Really, he's, short he's that king. short? Okay, okay. He's, cool. He wasn't that much taller than me, honestly. Okay. Um, I like him already. I'm five eight. I like him already. Uh, you know. What was he promoting? <laughs> He was promoting, um, I think he was promoting the, what's the damn movie where he's the, uh, he's friends with that guy. And then like, that's a whole thing. He becomes like oh. obsessed with being friends with the. Is it uh, I Love You Man? Yes. I Love You Man. With him and uh, what's his ass who showed his dick in that uh, Sarah Marshall movie. Uh, walked around with his balls hanging out in the entire movie. Uh, Jason Siegel. Siegel. Jason Siegel. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just the only thing I remember about I think, forgetting Sarah Marshall is that I got to look at his flaccid penis for what seemed to be an eternity. Great. That, that's the only <laughs> thing that I remember about that movie. 
Um, but he, I think he was promoting that. Okay. I believe. Okay. Um, yeah, because we really latched on to that whole bit where he's talking about playing, slapping oh, the slapping bass. slapping the bass, slapping the bass. Slapping yeah. the bass. Yeah, that's I Love You, man. That's from I Love You. You know what movie uh, I like? I love more than that? Have you ever seen Role Models with him and Sean, uh, what's his ass, Stifler? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever seen- yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie's hilarious. The kids in that movie, because uh, McLovin is in it, and then the black kid is unbelievable who's in that movie. He's yeah. hilarious, and I can't believe that that kid's not like been in 45 movies. Um, but yeah, Role Models, that movie rules. You know who's great in that? Jane Lynch. <laughs> Jane Lynch is hilarious in that movie. Oh, God, that movie's funny. But so was he fun on the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, like I said, he's a very, like, he's on this list. He's yeah. uh, someone everyone loves. Yeah, yeah, I remember him being quite nice. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's nice. Get to share an elevator with uh, with Paul Rudd. That's yes. Cool. <laughs> and he was nice to people you know, around you're all him. Facing the, you're all facing the door, so you're not right. really like, hello. <laughs> but was he nice to everybody around him and stuff? Did he, did he treat everybody yeah. well? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. All right, Paul Rudd. And, of course, he still looks like he's 30, even though he's like 55. Mm-hmm. He's so, aging backwards. It's unbelievable. He's got the Benjamin Button juice. That's what he's got. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Paul Rudd, nice guy. So he's on that list of people that you love. Very, very cool. But yeah, if people have not seen Role Models, that's actually one of my favorite Paul Rudd performances. I love that movie. God, that movie's funny. I mean, I don't even like Kiss, and I love that movie. <laughs> there's a big, there's a big, the climax involves Kiss, you know, being dressed up I was like Kiss. Say, and don't, don't, uh, don't ruin it. No, it's okay. just about kiss. <laughs> yeah, it's just about kiss. The whole thing is the whole movie is about kiss. That's what it is. That's a role that's models. A, role kiss models. is everyone's role model. <laughs> when I think role model, I think Paul Stanley immediately. Yeah. So. Hey, by the way, Esmeralda, have you ever heard the um, the audio uh, tapes of nothing but uh, Paul Stanley's um, uh, talk to the audience between songs? Like, oh no! Oh, you have to look it up. Paul you Stanley. Paul, it's Paul Stanley. Let me let me get this off my chest, or it's Paul Stanley gets this off his chest. Look it up online, and it's like, does he do does he do it all the time, or was it just yeah, one time? No, 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 no. It's it, he talks between every song. When you see when you see oh, okay. when you see Kiss show, it's just him yapping between songs, and it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's hilarious. And and this this audio of it, I have a CD of it. I used to play it on GN all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just him going, yeah, all right. You know, like him screaming at the audience. And his, like, the setting up the next song. Like, if you got a fire in your house, you call the firehouse. And then they kick the song. It's just. Call the firehouse. That's a song by Kiss. It's like, if you got a fire, you want to call the firehouse. Yeah. You know. And then, like. I feel like he could have used a better oh, intro for that. No, he's a dipshit. And that's what's so funny about no it. Like, you're really calling the firehouse, but no. okay. <laughs> but I'm telling you, bro, look it up. It's like Paul Stanley, let me get this off my chest. And it's literally like mm-hmm. an hour of just his jibber jabber between songs. It's hilarious. Like, it's hilarious. Like, it gets. Sur- like, if you listen to it for more than 10 minutes you start to feel like you're on another planet. It's, I'm telling you, just Google. I don't know if it's out there, but but it might be. If you can yeah. find it. Paul Stanley, let me get this off my chest. And it's literally like an hour's worth of just his nonsense screaming at the crowd between Kiss songs. 
And it's the funniest shit. It is. I used to play it on GN all the time, and we would fall off our chairs laughing. I mean, so, <laughs> so yeah, Paul Stanley just screaming. I'm telling you. Yeah, now I'm curious how long is a usual Kiss concert, and then how much is actually them playing versus just the, this talking. You, you get a couple of hours of Kiss music when you see Kiss, and then you get about. <laughs> well, that's good. You get about 16 minutes of Paul Stanley, like screaming. In between, okay, and it's and it literally is as witty as you got a fire, call the firehouse, yeah, you know, like his. <laughs> if like, okay, got, yeah, if you need a gun with love, it's time for love gun. Like it's stupid. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's hypnotic. No, that's it's what we need, but okay, Paul Stanley. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's hypnotic, Esmeralda. You find this audio, and literally, like, after 15 minutes, you're like, have I been listening to this for 15 minutes? Because it's, <laughs> we're going to rock and roll. How long? All night. Yeah, and every day. You know, like, and then, ah, and he screams. It's just, <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, do you like to drink gin? Because they got a song Anyway, so they got a song about gin. So uh, anyway, yeah. Right. Now right. I'm, I need to find out. Is that it? Does he just say, "Do you like to drink gin?" Here's this no, song there's, about gin. Yeah, no, I can't remember the song. I would hope so. Cold gin. Yeah, it's called cold gin. The song's called "Go." Do you like to drink? And then the crowd goes nuts, and they go. He goes, "Do you like to drink beer?" And then they go, ah. and then he's like, "Do you like to drink whiskey?" Yeah. Well, what about gin? And then they go nuts because they know that the song that's coming up. And then he goes, what about gin when it's cold? Cold gin! And then they play the song. Oh. I, that. I was hoping for a little more like, oh. what about warm gin? <laughs> maybe he does that no. in a different. Maybe. <laughs> I'm telling you, it'll, it's a life changer. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who would yeah. love that. You know, I'll tell you who would listen to the shit out of that. Colin, I guarantee you, Colin, <laughs> Colin would lose his mind over the 45 minutes of Paul Stanley. I'm telling you. So that's what you need to find. If you're going to do a search on, on online, find Paul Stanley. Let me get this off my chest. I, at least the compilation that I heard. That's what it was called. So, all right. Hey, are you ready to, to, to taste some stuff from Poland? Mm-hmm. All right. What do you want to do first? Because we got some some sweet yum bag and we've got some chips. What do you want to do first? Yeah. Let's do the yum bag. Okay, we'll do the yum bag. Let me while we're opening the yum bag, I will read what it says in the Universal Yums. It's chocolate covered jelly candy. It's a surprise selection of lemon, orange, and cherry. Uh, when you think jelly, you probably think of the fruity spread you slather on toast, but in Poland, it refers to any number of unique dishes. Uh, there is a loose raspberry jelly commonly served as a drink. There is a jelly topped on cheesecake, but let's focus on this particular jelly, jelly variety. It's the uber-popular chocolate-covered jelly candy, fruity lemon, orange, or cherry jellies that are slathered in chocolate so that the Poles can get their jelly fix on the go and so that you can sample some jiggly Polish tradition. All right. Have you you got which one? Do you know which one you have? Um, I'm trying to figure out because I'm oh, kind of in the dark and they all look I got similar. Milk, <laughs> yeah, I got milk fudgies. And this is uh, I'll try this one. I think this is the. Yeah. So the yum bag. So the yum bag is a, a 
a group of things, as Universal Yums put it, um, good things come in small packages. Right. And that is what the yum bag embodies. There it is. Um, so it's all little tiny things. And then at the end, I like, and remember, don't eat the bag. Don't, no, you don't want to eat the bag. Oh, no. There you go. There's another one of those, uh, those cautions. Yeah. Don't eat the bag. <laughs> don't eat the bag. I, oh, I hope yeah. that was just a fun one, not right. someone who's actually trying to eat the bag. <laughs> well, let's try Let me try this. See what it, uh... All right. So I got a pear. Hmm. I have a. Oh, shit. I got chill. I got cherry. Uh-ohs. Oh. Yeah, one is cherry. Yeah, I just, I had to spit it out. I can't and do cherry. Orange. I'm not going to go into the whole reason, but I can't do cherry. Well, why did you eat it? I didn't know. I just pulled, I, I... What do you mean you don't know? There's a picture of cherries on it. Is there? I don't know. I just grabbed something and I opened it and ate it. Okay. You did? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I didn't even look at it. I just, all right, this one will be better. Milk fudges. Wow. Milk fudges. The cherry one I couldn't do. All right, I'm eating the, I'm eating the orange one. Okay. This jelly thing. What do you think? Oh, hmm. eh, I don't like jelly candies. Okay, it's well, fine though. Yeah. Um, it's very orange, like um, hmm. fresh orange. Okay. All right. That's what I'm noticing on the um, the trend in other countries is that fruit flavored things actually taste like the fruit right <laughs> right right as opposed to the way they taste in america which is processed and not right. fruity. okay which Let's... at first at first thing i was like oh no this is going to be terrible but then the flavor hit my palate and that's it, nice it tastes that's like actually fruit. not a bad jelly cool and that's in the it yum tastes bag. like orange orange, like orange jelly chocolate. they do it right in poland okay now i'm looking forward to this butter and salt potato chips a strange and savory chip Butter potato chips? Yes. In Poland, the combination is a no-brainer. Both potatoes and dairy products, including, of course, butter, are beloved ingredients in Polish cuisine. So beloved, in fact, that the yeah. Polish version of the phrase, it's a piece of cake, is actually blah, 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 or it's a roll with butter. So you can see why Poland <laughs> would be the country to invent salty, buttery potato chips like these. Once you taste one, we think that you'll find eating the whole bag is, well, a roll with butter. All right. Here we go. I thought it was going to be a playoff of you can't stop. You can't stop. Because of the Lay's roll with thing. Butter. All right, so these are once buttery you, you buttery potato chips. All right, here we go. All right, they smell kind of like butter and potato chips. They have a buttery smell to them. Oh, man, these are good. Oh, mm. oh man. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. No, this is good, I man. I have a feeling, though. I have a feeling I wouldn't be able to eat a whole bag because it would get a little... You know how sometimes you eat something that's too greasy? Yeah. Or too fatty, and then just, like, the fat starts to overtake your mouth. You're and right. Just, it, it almost makes you nauseous. Yeah, it's very rich in fat-like content. Mm-hmm. It is. When you I feel think... like I couldn't... There's a lot of butter and a lot of salt in this. So it's nice though. It's great. But, it's great actually. But I feel like midway wow. it would start to make me nauseous. Yeah. Okay, so good fruit chews and really delicious salty buttery potato chips. Man. Mm -hmm. They Did you I'll try tell you the what. Other thing from the yum bag? Um I tried the 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 fudge uh the milk How fudgy. Was it? it was good. It was a little um 
It was a, it was what you I don't think you're gonna like it. Kind of kind of falls apart when you eat it. It's not very chewy. It's kind of chalky. It's a little chalky. So it's not. I would go like with fudge? the fruit. The fruit. No, it's not. It's not like fudge. It's kind of like chalky. It falls it's apart. So hard. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah. So, but the the fruit ones are better. The fruit chews are better. So. Oh, this is like um, um, Mexican candy. There's something similar to this. Okay, cool. All right. It's not... Yeah. All right. Cool. It's okay, similar well, we flavor. Have, we have more Polish stuff that yep. we're going to be tasting, uh, and that'll be coming up on the next uh, on the next episode. Also on the next episode, uh, uh, Esmeralda, actually, um, you're off on the next episode because mm. it's the first of the month. Um, for the people. That's right. For the people. So we will not be taste testing anything until uh, next week. Uh, Herb Weissbaum, mm. Tom Appel will join me, uh, and I would like to thank... Um, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi for reviewing movies and talking about Sundance. Thanks to you for listening. You want to be a sponsor, advertise with us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com is where to write. Voicemail, 773-417-6948. Email, nickthepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the music and the sounds. Please share, rate, review us on every platform. Tell everybody to subscribe. Check out our 24-hour live streaming service, RadioMisfits.live. And uh, we'll check you out next time on the Nick D Podcast. Thanks, Esmeralda. Thank you. All right, see you later.